This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves and dial in toll-free, 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. Joining you tonight, it's Ian. And Sam. And Mark. As always, we invite you to join us online at freetalklive.com, where you will find all kinds of stuff uh, given to you for free. Unlike those other talk show hosts that want to charge you from their sites, we give ours away, so enjoy it over at freetalklive.com. The main feature of the site allows you, the listeners, to influence the content of the site, actually create uh, the, the content of freetalklive.com. When you're surfing around and you find something on the internet that you think is worthy of sharing with the rest of our listeners, you just submit it to our website, and then it pops up, and other listeners can vote on whether they like or dislike it, and the most liked will make it to the front page and the top of the website, meaning we're more likely to see it and thereby talk about it on the air. So head over to freetalklive.com and get involved. In fact, uh, one of the stories I'm going to share with you here right out the gate, and there's actually a little bit of good news on the front page of freetalklive.com. I'm going to hold off on that. Uh, Good news coming out of uh, Mexico. But other news in regards to the police state. This one is a little ways down the page. It was right up at the top yesterday when we were doing the show. We just didn't get a chance to touch on it. And I think this is a pretty important story. Because we've had on this program a number of times police officers or people claiming to be police officers. They usually have the police radio going on in the background, so it sure does sound legit. Claiming that 99% of all the cops are good guys. 99% of the cops are, you know, they're not corrupt. Everything's fine. Well, I think that you can make the claim that somebody's a good guy, um, but, you know, it's it's an issue of accountability. I think that good guys do bad things. This is good true. Good guys step out of line all the time. I would consider myself a good guy, but I say and do things on a, on a daily basis that I, you know, I regret in retrospect. I mean, that's, that's the issue of sort of being human. And I think that, uh, you know, when you're talking about, you know, when we're talking about, say, being able to film them in order to increase accountability from the public on its public servants that that's a reasonable thing because i as a good guy who steps out of line now and then would be less likely to step out of line when someone was holding a camera on me it's just an issue of accountability it's not an issue of me being a black-hearted jerk it's an issue of me being held accountable okay yeah i I see where you're coming from there and i I think what they're trying to uh, represent is that what they're trying to get across, the message they're trying to get across is, you free talk live guys are always talking about these cops doing bad things, and I'm just here to say that 99% of them are great guys, and uh, you know we're out here protecting people, and this is kind of the you know the public persona, the, the front, if you will, for uh, the thin blue line. I think they really believe what they're saying, because you know there's this um, polarization that goes on between people and criminals. And once somebody goes into the criminal category, in their mind, they're less than human. Uh, they, they've they been trained to just dehumanize people and really think that, well, it's okay if you treat them like crap because, mm-hmm. well, they're criminals. So they could, for instance, be treating people like crap, but at the same time patting each other on the back and it's, representing themselves as you know doing yeah. you a favor and helping well, these people are, out. Th- these are criminals. These are bad people. So it's okay to treat bad people bad because, you know... They're breaking the law. Right. you got to get them off the street and whatever it takes to get them off the street. It doesn't really matter even if you do break the law yeah. to get them off the street. It's got to be done. And I can tell you, I have heard these words candidly off of camera come out of the mouths of law enforcement officers. Which words? 
that that basically they they know that somebody has done something wrong that they're a bad person they've broken the the law in order to get that bad person and and punish them for what it is they've done not uh, like so they'll plant something on them or do something you know they'll mm-hmm. lie about something they've done they'll they'll give false testimony in order to get them for something they've done in the past that they believe that they've done do you understand oh I mean, yeah yeah sure just make crap up and, and then, lie and then pat themselves on the back because they've done a service for the community by getting this criminal off the streets and then when we talk about some of the the things that happen uh, with police abusing people and tasing people, there's a story on our website about uh, the police tasing a 64 year old man today. Uh, so the these what we would consider to be abuses, what you're saying, guys, is that they just don't see it that way. I I think that's true, and I think that um, the best way for them to see it as abuses is for the 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 cold hard light of reality to be shown in, and that only way for that to happen is for the public to be able to take video. Well, sometimes, Mark, it happens in other ways. Okay, in very rare occasions like this one, sometimes you get a cop who really is a good guy because if you're a good person. And you see bad things happening around you, like cops beating on people, cops abusing power, cops, uh, you know, stealing money. There are so many things that cops do because they're in this position of power over other people. and They can just get away with. If you're a good person and you see people doing those things and you do nothing, you are not being a good person. You are allowing evil to occur. And every now and then there's a really special cop that comes out and breaks the code of silence about what really goes on behind the thin blue line. It has happened again, this time in Miami. The report from MiamiNewTimes.com. Miami-Dade police officer Frank Adams calls it the Rodney King beatdown. When the burly, soft-spoken, 15-year department veteran watched four fellow cops kick, choke, and punch an unarmed subject eight years ago, he says it was every bit as vicious as the infamous Los Angeles incident. The only difference, there wasn't a video camera around to catch it. Sure. Adams says, I thought he was dead. Of 42-year-old Henry Lee Gaines, who was arrested. Can you imagine what kind of beating a man has to be administered for somebody to believe that he's dead? Sounds pretty bad. Right. Like that, that's, not, that's not your average get on the ground, uh, you know, hey, you haven't gotten on the ground as quickly as you'd like, you know, give him a good punch to the back of the head or jerk him around a little bit or whatever. This is a full-fledged kicking in the ribs, you know, punching in the back of the head kind of beating. This is where a guy has uh, put his hands over the back of his head. He's hunched up in the fetal position. He's trying to keep as many of his uh, bruised and battered organs from rupturing as possible mm. at this point. So Henry Lee Gaines was arrested around 4 a.m. September 22, 2002 in front of his tiny banana-colored Brownsville home. And Adam says, I saw him go into convulsions and thought, oh my God, they killed this guy. But what really floored Adams is the way Officer Gregorio Perez, who wrote the report, spun the incident. Five foot nine inch Gaines was described as an incredibly powerful aggressor. He had allegedly lifted one officer onto his shoulder, climbed a set of stairs, and hurled the cop to the ground. This guy is Superman, apparently. <laughs> wow. He had supposedly even grabbed Officer Adams by the shirt and repeatedly punched him, knocking him to the ground and injuring his head. It's a lie, says Adams. Mm. He claims Gaines never resisted. 
The hand injury had occurred while another cop knocked Adams over while trying to kick Gaines. No criminal charges have been filed, but the claim was validated last month by the department's Professional Compliance Bureau. Adams is an exemplary cop, if his personnel record is any indication. He's been decorated with 12 commendations for good police work, and his daughter is also a Miami-Dade officer. But he says the state's largest police department has become a menace regularly abusing and humiliating the people it's sworn to protect, and then lying about it. He's risking his career by speaking with the New Times to expose its failings. I would say this man is risking more than his, his career. life, yeah. Yeah, I, absolutely. He says, they're supposed to be my brothers in blue. Uh, wait a second. I, I'd like to, to pop in the story. Here in Keene, New Hampshire, where I would say the cops are you know, a pretty, a pretty docile force, uh, the, claim, the claim was made to me by one of the city councilors that he voted the wrong way on some police thing, and they pulled him over. So, you know, It's been a couple of years since they made the claim, but many times in like a six-month period, just to kind of show him, hey... Look what you're doing. Now, try to imagine for a second when you're talking about a much larger force where, you know, accountability isn't as high and, and where, you know, kicking a subject to sleep just isn't it's kind of looked looked past by the uh, the brass. Yeah, we're going to tell you more about Officer Frank Adams and what he has to say about the people that he works with here in a little bit. The story again from uh, MiamiNewTimes.com. Your thoughts are welcome at 1-800-259-9231. Now and then. You'll get one of these guys who has the willingness and the, uh, the courage, because that's really what something like this takes, the courage to come out and speak out against what happens, as he says, regularly when it comes to the Miami Police Department. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. I don't believe it when people claim that 99% of cops are you know, good guys because they're doing the wrong thing. Are you moving to New Hampshire for the Free State Project? Maybe you are already here and need to find a place to call your own. Mark Warden, the Porcupine Realtor, will help you find the perfect property. Do you want a home with 50 acres of land? How about an income-producing building? Perhaps a cabin on a lake or a condo in an urban area? Invest in liberty and property. Contact Mark Warden, Porcupine Realtor. See his banner ad at freetalklive.com. Or visit porcupinerealtor.com. That's porcupinerealtor.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves and dial in toll-free at 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We give you the features on the site there for free, so enjoy those on us. Features including news updates. You get signed up, we'll keep you in the loop whenever there's something you need to know about Free Talk Live. Just go to news.freetalklive.com to get on the various different lists we have. You can Receive emailed updates, probably the best way to get information from us. Also, Twitter, Facebook, you name it, uh, one of those three, all of those three, you can have it all, and it's all free. Over at news.freetalklive.com, get the updates delivered to you in the way you think is best at news.freetalklive.com. Oh, hey, Mark, what you got there? (laughs) Are you tired about reading about the loss of liberty? Now, for the first time, a novel showing how liberty can realistically triumph. Progress by Charles Stample. Order a copy today from Amazon or for a free PDF of part one, write progress a novel at gmail.com. 
experience a libertarian revolution. It's progress and novel at gmail.com. I read this, uh, this book. It's been a couple few weeks now, and I think it's so important. I set it aside so that I could read it again. Um, it's that succinct and it, it, it's that motivating. It's progress a novel at gmail.com. All right, so we're sharing with you a what, if you're new to the show, may be an eye-opening, shocking story uh, from the Miami New Times. If you're old hat uh, when it comes to Free Talk Live, well, you've heard something like this before, because every time we talk to a cop, and it's usually a former uh, cop, somebody like Barry Cooper from Never Get Busted, or Brad, Bradley Jardis, formerly of Law Enforcement Against Prohibition, or just some random former law enforcement officer that might happen to call in to comment what we're told over and over again is that the corruption rises through the ranks. We're told that, uh, that the, most of the cops out there, a lot of the cops out there, not necessarily any particular percentage of them, but a lot of them are doing bad things. They're, they're, they're corrupt, they're hurting people, uh, and they're getting away with it because the so-called good cops won't do anything to stop them. Or if they speak out or try and do something to curb the bad behavior, then they get sort of targeted. They get put on the night shift. They punished. get fired. They demoted. Yeah, sure. Whatever they can do to to sort of persuade them to cut it out. Because the corruption rises through the ranks, right. as, as we've been told many a times. And so if you if you're a beat cop and you see your fellow officers doing horrible things to people, abusing their so-called authority, and you come out about it, well, then their buddies who are protecting them at the upper levels, the uh, the guys that are less than uh, likely to be caught doing anything because they're administrative types, uh, will come in and, as you're saying, demote them or, or punish them in some way. Or worse, perhaps they're under threat of violence against their family members. And so this guy, uh, Frank Adams in Miami, is really taking a serious risk, coming out publicly. Uh, he's not. They're not hiding him behind a shadow here, a silhouette. Uh, his, they've got his name and his details are out there, and he is basically saying that the cops in the Miami, at least in his his uh, squad down down there, Miami Dade, the largest squad in the entire uh, state. He's saying that they are regularly abusing and humiliating the very people that it's sworn to protect. That they have become a menace. He says they're supposed to be my brothers in blue as he struggles to keep his voice audible as his eyes become soggy. But they're not my brothers, not when they're treating people like this. Miami-Dade police spokesbureaucrat Treance Lassant declined to answer a lengthy list of questions detailing Adams' claims about the alleged beatdown and other incidents. She said the department will be able to make a comment only upon receipt of information from the PCB, which is the Professional Compliance Bureau. As of press time, that had not happened. Notice how uh, the, the, the police have the expectation that you'll answer their questions and sometimes will be rather rough and awful with you if you try to exercise your rights, If that you'll answer the questions that they give you. However, when the public gives questions to the police, they immediately lawyer up. Um, you know, if you lawyer up with the cops, you you risk uh, well uh, certainly a great deal of your time being wasted. That's you know first and foremost. They they'll threaten to throw your car, um, you know, and and just make your life miserable. Look, just tell us what we want to know, and we'll let you go. That that's that's the first thing. And you know, the, the, the worst things things have happened with people asking for their their attorneys. People have been hurt. People have been killed asking for attorneys. The son of a maid and mechanic, Adams grew up in South Miami's Brooker Apartments housing project. He was poor, but never hungry, he says, and his folks were devout Baptists. He said, my parents always hammered into me the same Bible verse, treat others the way you want to be treated. He graduated, unfortunately, when it comes to a sadist, that doesn't help very much. Yeah, um, sadists are kind of rare. Yeah, well, not on the police force, because policing 
is a position of power, and so it sadists attracts sadists. want to be sadists. treated in a certain fashion. It's actually masochists that uh, you would be talking about in, in this. Sadists, sadists want to be treated well. So mm. um, if a sadist would go ahead and treat people the way they want to be treated, I see you'd saying. be just fine. All right, good point. Anyway, he graduated from South Dade Senior High and in 1979 joined the police force. A year later, he quit on the advice of his minister, who convinced him the job was too dangerous. He told me, on that, uh, told me that on a Sunday, and I put in my notice on Monday. But after 16 years as a teacher's assistant, railway worker, and security guard, he was rehired in 1996. His longtime partner, Officer Nathaniel Kuntz, says that Adams helps people who can't help themselves. He's a fair person. He's not going to make nothing up, and he's not going to tell no lies. Adds Adams, I always thought of the job as protecting and serving. You can stop crime by staying visible and knowing the citizenry. But he thought some things about the department policy were problematic, particularly unwritten arrest quotas, which led to bad callers and illegal searches. Uh He even sued the county, claiming stats-based officer evaluations were unfair. That suit is still slogging through the court docket. And in 2002, so here you have, not only is this guy saying they're abusing people, but they're also, they have a quota. Right. And it's So un- you it's have unwritten. a situation where uh, police have qualified immunity. They cannot be sued uh, as long as they're, you know, not doing something completely egregious in their line of duty. So they can collar people and, uh, you know, arrest people. And they've got this quota system, so they're incentivized to arrest. It's it's very it's silly. There's no uh, there's and total no, protection from any kind of right. There's no responsibility for their actions on a uh, personal level, and there is an incentive to arrest. That's that is crazy talk. It all started in 2002. His whistleblowing that is. It began with the Gaines incident, where that we told you about earlier, where the officer that uh, was involved just wrote up this report was full of lies. Uh, Adams had responded to a call for backup, he says, to find Officer Luis Prats Martinez on top of Gaines, choking him with his right arm. Gaines, a chef at a racetrack, was lying on his stomach, gasping for air, Adams wrote in a four-page complaint. Prats Martinez was continuously punching the man in the head. At Adams' urging, they cuffed Gaines. Then another cop, Luis Torres, arrived on the scene, burst from his cruiser, and ran up and kicked Mr. Gaines in the face. Oh, my God. This is after he'd been cuffed. Uh, Adams wrote the kick sent Adams knuckles first into the uh, into the gravel. A fourth officer, Jorge Arana, started stomping and kicking the ch- uh, the chef in the legs and side. Adams says he leaped onto Gaines to protect him from the kicks. Gaines tells new t- uh, the New Times that the first cop attacked him without warning as he walked from his car. Or excuse me, Gaines is the man who's being victimized. Uh, attacked him without warning as he walked from his car to his front door after working the night shift. Then Adams tried to save him. He said they were choking me and dragging me through the mud. All I saw was a big black man fall on me and cuddle me like a baby. Eventually, the cop stopped beating Gaines when he began shaking uncontrollably. Officer Perez's report describes a rampaging Gaines attacking Prats Martinez and Adams. It claims Gaines was stopped for having a wrong tag on his car and never once even mentions Officer Torres. Gaines, a recovering addict who also has cocaine possession on his record, pleaded guilty to felony battery on a police officer. How how much do you want to bet they gave him a deal on this? Oh, yeah. Received probation and was ordered to pay court costs. He explains that move simply. Who's a jury going to believe? Me or a bunch of police officers? There's more coming up about this man's story here in a moment. A cop that has come out to tell the truth. It's Free Talk Live. 
Dearly beloved, we are here to gather here today to tell about the blessings of this podcast. This a podcast is a verbal surgery. And let me tell you, when I ever go and listen to that podcast, I just feel a trembling, a trembling down in my soul, don't you know? A trembling that just wants to bubble up so that I just got to go out there and be listening to me some more. Yes, that podcast, some have called it special. I prefer to call it inspiring. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves and dial in toll-free. Bring up whatever you might want to. 800-259-9231. That number brought to you by SACL CAI. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website, freetalklive.com. Listening options are there. We've got live streams. We've got a broadband and dial-up version. Plus, our listen lines allow you to call in from any phone that can dial long distance. Get all the details. Get listening over at listen.freetalklive.com. That's listen.freetalklive.com. Sharing with you what I think is a really important story because it's coming from the mouth of one of the Thin Blue Line. One of the Thin Blue Line who has broken ranks, who has broken the, uh, the, the code of silence that normally surrounds the brotherhood of the police departments around this country. These people, as this man is saying, Officer uh, Frank Adams, a 15-year department veteran from Miami-Dade Police Force, as he is revealing, the police in his town are regularly abusing and humiliating the very people it's sworn to protect. He reveals that they have an unspoken quota system that is re- uh, resulting in the cops going out and basically coming up with reasons to arrest people just so they can look good to their superiors and get a chance at a promotion or something like that. So he's revealing all, and he's talking about the first uh, time when he decided to finally spill the beans about what was really happening out there. It was an incident involving a chef at a local racetrack who was coming home from a day at work, and he claims he was just run up on by the cops and attacked. By the time Adams arrived on the scene, he was the man was being savagely beaten, and even while in handcuffs, was being kicked and punched and all manner of yeah. attack. And so Adams interfered physically by coming in on top of the man just to kind of protect him from the attacks of these other officers and you notice uh, interestingly the the adams didn't pull out his tasers billy club and whack one of these guys in the head you know like these the, these cops they might are, have killed him indeed they might they might very well have done such a thing but you know it's it's interesting that what he chose to do was rather than using force on someone he decided yeah. to protect them because would, would he have done the same thing if this was a an individual who attacked somebody he would have likely gone after the individual that did the attacking in order to prevent the attack from going on further. Mm-hmm. In this case, he decides to fall on the man uh, in order to protect him. I think him. it was the right decision. It was heroic of him to, uh, to make that choice. I'm not saying that that's not I mean, true. He's up I'm against just, a pack of wild yeah, dogs. Yeah, I'm not saying that. I'm just looking at the interesting psychology of it. Gaines tells the New Times that the first cop attacked him without warning as he walked from his car. This is the victim is uh, Mr. Gaines. As he walked from his uh, front uh, to his front door after working the night shift, then Adams tried to save him. Uh, eventually, the cop stopped beating on Gaines when he began shaking uncontrollably. Perez's report describes a rampaging Gaines attacking the other officers. Gaines, recovering addict, uh, pleaded guilty and said, uh, basically, who's a jury going to believe, me or a bunch of cops? From that point forward, Adams began looking differently at the department 
in which he worked. In 2004, he discovered Polaroids, apparently confidential photos from a sexual assault case pinned to a police station bulletin board. Oh my! They were of a tear-streaked, grimacing woman holding her shirt up to show her stomach and lower back. Each, uh, each photo was scrawled with a love note to Chike, one officer's nickname. Chike, you know you want me. I want you now. Call me. It's really tacky to use uh, to, to use these uh, confidential photos yeah. from a sexual assault case, turning this woman's personal tragedy, perhaps uh, you know a beating by a boyfriend or something like that. I'm speculating there, yeah. but turning this woman's uh, personal tragedy into a department joke. Now, back before uh, digital cameras eliminated photo processing, didn't the like the Walgreens and the drugstore employees get in trouble for making photo albums exactly like that? And I think they did jail time. For I never it. heard about that, but it sounds believable. They would take, just this yeah, callousness they, towards people's um, well, they, predicaments. They, they were taking you know sexually explicit pictures and creating a photo album, and then eventually it leaked out online, and and it got mm. back to the people, and they were charged with crimes, but yet. The police do it, and, uh, well, nothing's going to happen to them. That same year, Adams was offended to find officers drawing mustaches and eye patches on desk-taped photos of a homicide victim. He says these are the people we're supposed to be protecting. Instead, we're humiliating them. Also, in 2004, Adams claims to have witnessed a fellow cop Paul D'Angelo improperly arrest 47-year-old Gregory McKinney. He was standing in front of his Liberty City home fixing a bicycle tire when Angelo, apparently searching for a machete-wielding robbery suspect, drove up. The cop I claimed, can see how you can confuse a machete with a bicycle. The cop claimed he had observed a cylindrical bulge in McKinney's pocket during a field interview. Oh, for- my. Uh, for his safety, and had conducted a pat-down which revealed a sharp razor blade within a metal sheath. Adams witnessed the arrest and immediately... So rec- an industrial cutting knife uh, yeah, on a guy cutter. who's... Wor- a box cutter who's on a guy who's working on his bike. Hmm, maybe he wants to cut the tire off. You know, I mean, there's a variety of things. He could be cutting uh, vinyl for the new seat to length or something like that. I carry a knife with me all the time. So the cop, uh, Adams, witnessed this arrest and immediately recognized the problem, and that is that box cutters aren't illegal. The concealed weapon charge was dismissed, but not until McKinney, uh, a roofer with prior arrest for cocaine possession, spent a week in jail. This is a tool of the trade for doing roofing, right? Uh, so Adams persuaded McKinney to file a complaint. Then, this is McKinney's, the, the roofer, uh, then he began investigating what he termed a false, arre- a false arrest, interviewing several witnesses on his own. He then presenting, uh, presented his findings to supervisors. Guess what? They didn't do no a problems damn here. thing. Police authorities weren't convinced. On August 12, 2009, <laughs> they dismissed the complaint against Angelo, who has since become a sergeant. And suspended Adams for five days for improperly investigating another officer. So this cop, the good cop, did something that most good so-called good cops won't do. He investigated and conducted his own investigation against one of his own. He came up with the evidence that this guy imp- made an improper arrest. It was wrong for this guy to arrest the, uh, this roofer for having a box cutter in his pants. He presents the evidence to the, uh, the superiors at the department, and they kick it back in his face and then suspend him. What a surprise. And that's pretty I mean, light compared to what they could do. Right. Well, and, and, you know, well, the suspension is uh, – th- this is it. 
He's not going any higher as far right. as promotions go. And the other cop got promoted, though. Right, sweet and, deal. And this is exactly what the other cops don't want to do. They uh, they see that um, they they see what's going to happen to them. They know what's going to happen to them if they, in fact, investigate their brethren who have stepped out of line. There's all kinds of incentives for for you know looking out for yourself while you're on duty, and and very few incentives for actually looking out for the people you're supposed to be looking out for. But there has been some good news for Adams, and it's pretty scant here, but I'll share it with you. In June, police authorities sustained Gaines's complaint that the cops had abused him. Though it's unclear whether any of the officers involved will receive discipline, the decision could provide ammunition for a civil case or even potentially criminal charges. So nothing firm about uh, having any kind of consequences for the officers there, although maybe a step Maybe a baby step in that direction. Adams, who was out for several months with stress-related health problems, will be back on duty when this story is punished. He knows he might be a target for revenge. He says, I expect to be ostracized, but it doesn't matter. You mean when It's this, what I believe in. When the story is published? Correct. Okay. Yeah, you, I think you said punished. Oh, I apologize. Yeah, pu- pu- published. <laughs> he might be punished uh, for what he has uh, I can come tell out you, and said. I bet when he walks in that locker room, you will be able to hear a pen drop. Yeah. yeah, oh, yeah. It's nothing. It's not going to be anything nice. You think they're hassling this one guy with these uh, these pictures of the, the beating victim and saying, hey, I'm your girlfriend or whatever. Can you imagine what they're going to be treating this guy like who's actually, you know, <laughs> who's actually turned in, uh, you know, cops that are stepping out of line? Hmm. The man is incredibly courageous. Yep. Uh, Frank Adams, good luck to you out there in uh, Miami Dade. As he puts out, uh, as he puts it, you know, one of the most dangerous police departments. I mean, they're regularly abusing people. Is his is what he has to say about his coworkers. And it's these guys who created the Carlos Miller blog as well, right? This is true. Yes, Carlos Miller, uh, CarlosMiller.com, the photographer who was also attacked uh, by Miami police. I believe it was the same same squad. Yeah. Yep. Toll-free number, 800-259-9231, and they're not different. Please don't tell yourself that your local police department is that much different. Maybe they're not as corrupt as Miami-Dade. The incentives are the same. Same system. Yeah. More coming up here. You take control of the airwaves. 800-259-9231, the SACL-CAI toll-free line. Hopefully we'll hear good news about Frank Adams, the officer, in the future. It's Free Talk Live. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supply, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You are invited to take control of the airwaves and dial in toll-free at 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Give you the features on the site for free, so enjoy those on us. And if you like the show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, you can do that by shopping with us at amazon.freetalklive.com. Just enter Amazon through that link. And Free Talk Live gets a portion of Amazon's profits. Uh, So start your shopping at Amazon. 
www.freetalklive.com and feel good because you're getting the stuff you're looking for in dozens of categories, used items, free super saver shipping. It's Amazon. You're just starting through our link, and so we get a cut. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Ian, uh, today you and I were on the, the John Dennis Radio Bomb Show or something like that they were calling it. Yeah, the Money Bomb Show. Yeah, it was uh, it was it was a lot of fun. We got interviewed by Charles Goyette, and we got to talk about a great candidate, John Dennis, who's uh, running for Congress. He is running against Nancy Pelosi out in San Francisco. Likely you will not be able to vote in that race because only a few select Americans actually do get to vote in that race. But you can do something more important than voting. You can give money to this candidate. He actually has a chance. Even the Democrats don't like Pelosi out in, uh, in she's San Francisco. She's a warmonger. Yeah, she is. And <laughs> she tells lies, and she's the kind of person who says that you've got to pass the bill in order to, uh, to know what's in it. Nobody likes that. And they just need to be educated that there's another choice. And John has great cred. Uh, he's uh, endorsed by the folks over at Antiwar.com. He's a, he's a wonderful candidate. And I would recommend... That you do as I have and donate to his campaign. He is doing the money bomb thing today. Would like to reach one hundred thousand dollars, and they are currently sitting at twenty thousand. So I believe that the money bomb ends tomorrow at you know Hawaii time, midnight or something like that. Mm-hmm. Go ahead and donate so that you can run his numbers up. It's John Dennis twenty ten dot com. So I said we've got some good news, and I spotted this also over at the front page of freetalklive.com. Thanks to our listeners for uh, submitting it. And, you know, I like talking about civil disobedience, especially when it comes to marijuana. Uh, I, I, I do like uh, a little bit of good cannabis, maybe a lot. Uh, but uh, tokeofthetown.com reporting here, with much of the nation in the throes of a bloody drug war against violent cartels, more than 200 people gathered Sunday in a Mexico City park to smoke marijuana and demand its legalization. The activists braved pouring rain to rally on the popular tourist drag of the Alameda to have a smoke-in protesting marijuana's illegal status in Mexico, according to the AFP. Mexico is among a handful of Latin American countries that allow for possession of small personal use amounts of marijuana and other drugs. The limit for marijuana is five grams between an eighth and a quarter ounce. Amounts greater than that can still get you jailed and or fined. So certainly uh, it's a place where there's... Quarter ounce? Uh, not quite a quarter ounce. Yeah. Not quite. Five grams. Uh, so amounts greater than that still could end up uh, with you going to jail. Many smoke-in participants smoked out of pipes decorated with skulls, said to allude to traditional pre-European cultures as music played and a legalization petition was circulated. Support for legalizing marijuana in Mexico has grown, especially among left-wing parties, as a way to curb gang-related violence that has resulted in about 28,000 deaths in the past Four years. Uh, Vincente Fox, who led the Conservative Party of current President Felipe Calderon when Fox was president of uh, Mexico from 2000 to 2006, has repeatedly voiced his support for pot legalization. In fact, we uh, read one of his essays about it, I think, uh, a little while back. Or we at least talked about him coming out. I always out. get confused. Is it the current guy or the former guy that's for drug legalization? The last president. The former president. Okay. The current and guy the con- is not. And he's the conservative? Correct. Okay. Correct. 
So you've got over 200 people gathering in a park in Mexico City doing their own 420 celebration, uh, demanding uh, a, a legalization, full-on legalization of marijuana. And it's important to do this, because it, and, and good on these people. I mean, yeah, they're not at a huge risk of arrest if all they're smoking is a joint or something like that, because as they say here in Mexico, it's decriminalized up to five grams. But good on them for continuing to push for uh, legalization, because a lot of uh, pot smokers... You might want to stereotype them and say they're lazy, uh, for instance. And I don't believe that to be true. I think it's just a, uh, a convenient stereotype to make pot smokers look bad. I think you'll find that the truth about can- uh, cannabis users is that they span the economic spectrum. You will find lazy, loser cannabis smokers. Absolutely. Uh, you will also find incredibly productive, incredibly successful cannabis smokers. It spans the spectrum. So, and the same thing with alcohol. There are people that uh, use alcohol irresponsibly and uh, ruin their lives, and there are people that drink on a regular basis, but responsibly. Yeah, people would love you to believe that, uh, many people would love you to believe that smoking marijuana will somehow result in you living in your parents' basement for the rest of your life. And, you know, I've seen people of all levels of income smoking marijuana. It's, you know, smoking marijuana is, it it seems nearly as ubiquitous, at least in certain demographic segments, that that I mean age groups, Mm -hmm. uh, as as drinking alcohol. And no one would suggest that drinking alcohol is going to have you sleeping in your parents' basement for the rest of your life. No, certainly. You know, certainly I, not. You know, alcohol, and to, to some extent, I would consider alcohol to be a worse drug than marijuana. So, uh, so as I was saying, good on these folks for coming out and keeping this ball rolling, the legalization ball rolling, because they get it, right? It's, it's not enough to just let people smoke pot. That's good. It's a step in the right direction. You've got states like Massachusetts and other states around the, this country that have gone in the decriminalized direction. That's good. But if you really want to end the violence, if you want to end the, the, the crime that is associated with the prohibition, you have to end prohibition. You have to go all the way. And ending marijuana prohibition is still just a step in the right direction. But – you got to go all the way. If you really want to end the violence, the 28,000 people that are killed down in Mexico and the people that are killed across the border in the United States and the people that are harmed regularly in uh, drug deals gone bad and uh, ripped off by uh, dealers pushing questionable product, all of that stuff will end as soon as these drugs, marijuana, MDMA, LSD, you name it. If it's prohibited, the prohibition needs to end. It's the only humane thing to do. You know, I always get uh, I, I get confused on, on this particular issue. Which is more important, drug legalization or d- drug decriminalization or marijuana decriminalization and legalization? Because it seems to me that the drug war is largely propped up by marijuana uh, they they are able True. to get a tremendous I, I can't remember what the numbers are but it, it's it's like uh, three or four uh, 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 three quarters of the drug arrests in America are marijuana arrests and most of those are are possession mm, that's about half of the drug okay. arrests so it's about eight hundred thousand uh, people arrested every year in the United States for marijuana or just for marijuana and eight, about eighty percent of those are just possession okay so um, largely possession finances the war on drugs these police departments Departments would put a much larger burden on their, uh, you know, their their tax base if they weren't able to go out and get four hundred and twenty dollars from everybody who happened to have a joint on them or whatever it is that they do. They just cycle them through the system, and that's a lot of people. If they could, ju- if if you were able to take that out, maybe 
the drug war would, you know, just crash from its own weight. Maybe it wouldn't. Maybe they. They I don't just know. decrease still, the tax burden. You've still got another 800,000 people that are getting, or about their ballots that are getting arrested for all of the other drugs combined. And that's still a lot of money that will be funneled into the police departments. And you have to remember, it's not just fines that police end up getting. They also get billion dollar, uh, billions of dollars or millions and millions of dollars from the federal government and other places in order to uh, perpetrate this war on drugs. Yeah, the last time I was in jail, they had uh, people going off to some alcohol camp, forced uh, camp thing, re-education deal that the court sentenced them to and several of those people were were folks who just wanted an escape for whatever reason they like to alter their conscience i mean we, we talked about this uh, i think last week or you guys did how there are animals in nature who will eat fermented fruit and you sure. know go off and steal cokes or whatever they want to they want to alter their conscience and these guys would say to me we get into this conversation and they would say look if i could just smoke weed every night then i'd be fine i would never drink again but here they are convicted of four or five dwis where they actually have the potential to harm somebody because of this prohibition so i think we would see even fewer you know car accidents and drunk drivers on the road and so forth because you know they'd be able they'd have an alternative that's safer absolutely let's go to the phones to the fun andy listening in michigan you're on free talk live hello andy Hey, Ian. Hey, Mark. Hey, Sam. Hey, what's on your mind tonight? Hey, last night uh, you said that you don't really dig on uh, any of the current politicians except for John Dennis, of course, in California. And there was some talk of the uh, Ron Paul revolution being dead. But I wanted to tell you guys about Justin Amash, who is running for the 3rd District in West Michigan okay. in the Grand Rapids area. And he's endorsed by Dr. Paul. And he's actually he's been on uh, Reason's done some articles about him because he posts all his votes online on Facebook. Oh, he posts all his votes. Yeah, he he does the agenda at the beginning when he goes in. Is this guy an incumbent? He has been in the Michigan legislature for two years. So, so I guess well, tell me what makes him special here in a moment. Besides the fact that he's been endorsed by Ron Paul. Hang on, hour two's coming up. John Dennis, an accomplished businessman and entrepreneur, has been a pro-liberty Republican for a quarter century. He's the new face of a new Republican Party, and he's running for congressman of California's 8th District. I'm John Dennis, and I support drastically cutting both taxes and spending, which will help repair our devastated economy. Abolishing spendthrift governmental money pits that fail to produce the desired results. Bringing our troops home to defend our country, not policing other countries around the world. And a return to personal responsibility self-ownership, and freedom of choice for all Americans. Something John doesn't approve of? Nancy Pelosi. (laughs) It's time for the Wicked Witch of the West to go away. Wipe the slate clean in California's 8th District in Washington in one blow. Contribute to the John Dennis for 2010 campaign at johndennis2010.com. I'm John Dennis, and I approve this ad. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves and dial in toll-free. Bring up whatever's on your mind at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website, 
at freetalklive.com. We give you the features on the site there free, so enjoy those on us. And one of the main features of the site allows you, the listener, to literally control the content of the site. So you come across something that you think is pretty neat, you want to share it with our other listeners, you submit it to the website, and then it shows up in the upcoming stories queue. Other listeners will then see them and vote on whether they like or dislike what your submission is. And the most liked will make it to the front page and the top of the website at freetalklive.com. So head on over there and get interactive. Joining you tonight, it's Ian. And Sam. And Mark. All right, so we're going to continue here. Uh, We've got Andy on the line in Michigan. And Andy, uh, you were telling us a moment ago, we'd asked for somebody to call in if there was anybody. Or actually, it wasn't us. I would never ask for this. (laughs) It was Doug in Minnesota that called last night to ask, uh, are there any political candidates out there worthy of uh, support? And, of course, we don't think there's really anybody out there. John Dennis is a pretty good choice, but uh, there's a pretty much a, a dearth of uh, candidates. There are not very many of them out there. But you had somebody, Andy, that you thought was uh, was pretty special. Uh, apparently, he's a uh, – I guess he's in the Michigan State House and is running for, uh, for Congress. Uh, is that right? Uh, yes, he's running for U.S. Congress this term to replace Vern Ehlers. Now, you pointed out that he's endorsed by Ron Paul, and of course, Ron Paul's got a lot of credibility in the liberty movement, obviously. Uh, we're looking down this guy's uh, issues list, and I don't think he quite measures up to, say, uh, a John Dennis. This this guy wants to crack down on the border, uh, like any most of the politicians these days. He don't he, like no queers, neither. Uh, yeah, and he supports, uh, or he's against gay marriage, and so he doesn't really seem like a, a real friendly kind of guy. Wow, I must have missed those. I'm sorry about that, guys. Yeah. I just I I like him because he's got an economics degree and he understands Hayek and Bastian. Yeah, he he may be the best choice in the race, right? I mean, you know, and I'll tell you that if I was sitting in this um, in this race, this is the guy that I would uh, vote for. Would you send him money? I I you know I'm thinking about it and I'm telling. There's a guy who's very similar running here in New Hampshire and he's gotten money from me and I have not given to very many candidates. But you know, when a candidate says uh, I I want to kill the Federal Reserve, they have me at hello, right? You know, I don't need too much beyond. <laughs> On that if or if they're completely anti-war and want to draw the troops home if they're if they're good on both of those issues they definitely have me so anything else you want to share tonight andy no i just got to say you know some of those issues i sometimes i wonder if it's the political game and they're just playing it up online oh, yeah. I know. Uh, one thing i do like about him is his transparency because he does post his votes on Facebook. it's huge it's huge and um and he no says reason magazine got a hold of it and and they uh they showed how he basically says no if it's unconstitutional, at least for the Michigan Constitution while he's been here. And, and he, hasn't, he has at least some principles. Yeah, and he won't uh, vote for something he hasn't had time to read, which is tremendous. Uh, you know, I mean, by all accounts here, it looks like he's a, uh, you know, he's a 90% kind of candidate. And I'll tell you, the, that 10% is important to me, and I'm always going to be going for that 10%. But I, I, I think that if you're waiting around for that 10%, you're going to be waiting a long time. That, that 10% is important, and it makes me very cautious. Because while this guy may get, uh, you know, 80 percent of it or Mm -hmm. understands the economic side, understands some Mm -hmm. of the other sides, they don't get the whole liberty, the principles of liberty, the principles of personal freedom. And it says to me that they're willing to some extent, maybe it's only 10 percent, but to some extent they're willing to pander 
in order to get elected. I'd well, like to know what I, this. I'd like to point out that um, the marriage freedom thing, um, it, although it's a it's a cautionary uh, look, the idea of giving gays the right to marry doesn't necessarily mean that you're for or against freedom. If you believe, for instance, the government shouldn't be involved in marriage, that's a at stretch all. mark. Yeah. I think we, I think we know is. this guy's t- touting himself as a so-called conservative, and yeah. so you know he yeah. doesn't like gay people. I mean, that's really all that uh, that you need to know. Anyway, thanks, uh, Andy. I appreciate it. And of course, a drug war is not even mentioned yeah, uh, on this. There's no, there's no drug war mentioned So here. this guy, you know, he's he's just a conservative. Let's talk to somebody good one. who probably isn't. Uh, <laughs> let's go with Miss High Times. Uh, it, hello, Brittany. You are with us on Free Talk Live. Brittany, are you there? Uh-oh. Did we lose Miss High Times? I'll tell you what. Hang on one moment here. Let's make sure. Yeah, phones are working. Brittany, are you with us? Brittany, Miss High Times? Well, maybe she uh, she was smoking a bowl, I think, while uh, when we put her on hold. We'll see if we can get her back. Maybe uh, the conservative candidate scared her off. Maybe so. Maybe so. <laughs> Which would be a damn shame, because uh, we actually had Miss High Times 2010 on the phone and with she us She had been previously at, at Burning right, Man. Right. She just got back from Burning Man. And I guess one of our listeners, uh, one of our uh, amplifiers, I believe, uh, uh, knows her personally or something like that and managed to hook us up with the interview. Right? Is that the is that the story, Mark? I mean, really, you just kind of threw this at me tonight during the show. So. Yeah, that's pretty much it. I've got a you know a, a guy on Facebook that uh, you know talks to me on a pretty regular uh, basis. His name's uh, Howie, and he uh, you know it, it happens to be friends with this gal. I guess he that she's uh, big into the marijuana movement out in Colorado, and you know knows they know each other somehow. Well, I'll tell you what, we're going to try her back here in a little bit. Uh, but in the meantime, since we're on the topic of cannabis. There's more news here about now, of course, it was good news out of uh, Mexico City, where over 200 people gathered to have a, a smoke out a protest in favor of legalization of marijuana, full legalization of marijuana, which is great news. And now here's some somewhat bewilderingly good news, if I can qualify it that way, uh, from the Seattle Times. And uh, it's from John McKay. Now, John McKay is the prosecutor he is the uh, the prosecutor who went after mark emery okay. this guy has now come out of the closet as being anti-war on pot this guy wants to end the war on pot the same man who prosecuted the prince of pot the same man who was involved in sending Mark Emery, the one of the most uh, renowned anti uh, legal or the, uh, the the most anti drug war proponents out there, the, one of the, the most principled proponents of freedom, right. ending the war on drugs, the man who prosecuted him has written an op-ed for the Seattle Times. He writes this: "I don't smoke pot, and I pretty much think people who do are idiots." This certainly includes Mark Emery, the self-styled Prince of Pot from Canada, whom I indicted in 2005 for peddling marijuana seeds to every man, woman, and child with an envelope and a stamp. Emery recently pleaded guilty and will be sentenced this month in Seattle, where he faces five years in federal prison. So I guess this story is, uh, even though it was published on uh, September 3rd, maybe was written a little while ago. Uh, Emery, is, uh, well, if he faces five years. He's actually in prison now for five years. Uh, in cha- if changing the U.S. marijuana policy was ever Emery's goal, the best that can be said is that he took the wrong path. 
as Emery's prosecutor and a former federal law enforcement officer. Uh, however, I'm not afraid to say out loud what most of my former colleagues know is true. Our marijuana policy is dangerous and wrong and should be changed through the legislative process to better protect the public safety. Congress has failed to recognize what many already know about our policy of criminal prohibition of marijuana. It has utterly failed. It's pretty strong words from the man who Yeah, I don't spent, see how you can argue with what he says either. It's strong words from a man who spent his professional career enforcing this insane war on drugs. We've got more from this guy, but our uh, special guest is back on the line with us here. Uh, Brittany, are you with us? Yes, can you hear me? Ah, excellent. Uh, good to have you here, okay. Brittany. Brittany, you right. are... I Somehow I got lost, and I could hear you, but you guys couldn't hear me, so it's kind of like tripping out for a second. <laughs> oh, right on. Well, we're glad to have you here. You are uh, Brittany cool. from High Times, Ms. High Times yes. 2010. 2010. And I was crowned on 420 this year. So. Is there actually a crown? Does it involve cannabis leaves or anything like that? Um, well, I... I get to crown the best weed in the world. That is my prize. I get to really? go to the Cannabis Cup for free oh, cool. this year in November, which happens to fall on my 21st birthday. So it's just really, it's worked out for me. I've, I'm a cannabis um, activist out here in Colorado, and I also work at a dispensary. But I literally was just somebody who liked weed a lot, and... I thought maybe I'll give this a try. You know, if I can help people, then maybe this is for me. And it I'll, really I'll tell you what, Brittany, out. can you stick with us? We are coming up here in a moment. We're going to come back with more. Can, do you have time to talk? Okay. Great, because yep, we want to hear. Ready to talk about Burning Man. Definitely want to hear about Burning Man, a little bit more about maybe High Times and what's going on with the uh, Miss High Times contest. Sounds like a lot of fun. More with uh, Brittany. She's Miss High Times 2010 here in a moment. This is Free Talk Live. Notorious space pirate Phoebus Crumb had retired to a frontier world, only to see it destroyed by raiders. Now, Crumb is given a new ship, a new crew, and a dangerous new mission. Infiltrate deep within enemy territory and destroy a deadly dreadnought that threatens the balance of galactic power. Follow the illustrated adventures of L. Neal Smith's Phoebus Crumb online now at BigHeadPress.com slash PK. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves and dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website, freetalklive.com is the place to go. We've got a lot of features there, and we give them to you, including our Shrine of Female listeners. The dozens of ladies who've taken the time to send in their validated photo to or video showing they are indeed listeners of this program. You can head over to shrine.freetalklive.com, and you can take a look at uh, the wonderful women that have uh, taken the time to prove that they listen to the show. Again, shrine.freetalklive.com. Perhaps you may own or know someone who has a company that's struggling to collect money owed from past due accounts. Delinquent accounts are problematic, not only from the standpoint of diminished revenues, but businesses find themselves sidetracked by the arduous task of collecting on these accounts. Consequently, valuable time and resources are pulled away from principal operations. SACL CAI liberates businesses from inefficiencies and the vexing task of collections. SACL CAI, you can see their banner at freetalklive.com. 
All right, we're actually on with uh, Brittany Wagner, and she is Ms. High Times 2010, or Miss High Times, I guess is uh, how it's spelled out, uh, Miss High Times 2010. You can go to MissHighTimes.com, and that's her picture right there, and then there's a way to get into a, a page with a little bit more detail. Brittany, are you back with us? Yes, I am. Well, thanks for coming on uh, Free Talk Live here tonight. Uh, appreciate you being with us, especially to tell us about what happened at Burning Man, because we've yet to hear back. Uh, I know that there are at least probably a, a handful of our listeners that went out to Burning Man this year, and yeah. we, we were reading a story from the Associated Press last week at the beginning of Burning Man by a lawyer who was saying that Burning Man has turned into a police state with uh, cops looking intimidating, uh, undercover female cops asking guys for drugs so they can bust them, uh, them running yeah. dogs through campsites it really sounded absolutely awful and I was, I was talking with you off the air and you mentioned this was your first burning man this was my first burning man and um i have to say that i'm glad i had the experience but it probably will be my last time that i went to burning man why would it be your last time was there something that traumatic that occurred to you no nothing traumatic it was just um i would agree with the lawyer i mean people you know they think Spend the money, spend the time to go out to the middle of nowhere and take whatever they feel like taking weed, LSD, mushrooms, whatever gets you going, you know, and they don't want to be bothered. They just want to have a human experience, you know, something that nobody else can touch and you can feel it when you get there. But the cops, I mean, there were over 300 people that were arrested, really, you know, and taken away. Yeah. And. Mm. I mean, I, outside my camp, I mean, I was out in the ghetto, so, well, that's what they call it there, and um, I just, we, a cop was passed by every hour, you know, and I had to, you know, smoke weed in my tent really secretly, hmm. I was very afraid to go out and take, you know, a risk to be like, well, yeah, here's a joint, you know, I, I smoked with the people at the post office there, but... That's unfortunate. Um, yeah, you know, it must be it must be difficult. You go from Denver where, I, I, as I understand it, you're pretty much able oh, yeah. to smoke out in the open in, in Denver mm-hmm. to, well, you go to yeah. you go to Burning Man where you, you can't do it at all. Yeah, well, in our state, you know, if a cop were to get pull you over or know that you had weed and you had a medical marijuana card... They would actually have to give it back to you because mm-hmm. it's your medicine. You have a right, you know, as a patient to keep that. Um, it's your medicine. But that so, card is no good in, in the Black Nevada, Rock Desert. Yeah, in Nevada, it's still, you know, dope. Like, <laughs> still a lot. You can still get thrown in this clanker for it. So, you know, I was very skeptical and... I mean, not to say that I didn't have a good time, because sure. one of the, you know, the burning of the man was like the biggest explosion I've ever seen in my entire life. That's amazing. You know? And I took, you know, LSD, and I tried to do the, the good things. I, I enjoyed the art, you know. I really, I it every Burning Man, they make about $8 million just off of people going. So you can imagine how many... Things that they build, you know, they build these boats people can go on that are all lit up and you can dance on them and stuff. But wow. Right, they ac- actually mean, take, because I was wondering about that myself when I was looking into it, thinking, okay, $300 a person, 50,000 people, that's mm-hmm. that's a lot of money. I mean, that's $15 million they're taking in. Mm-hmm. And, uh, of course, they're spending some of that on renting out the land from the, the federal government and, uh, and so on and yeah, so forth, and there's the costs involved. Lives, mm-hmm, the town that lives next to um, where it's held... Burning Man actually helps them 
will build like solar energy panels and build them a school and you know they really help that community and when burners go through the town it actually boosts the economy because sure it's out in the middle of nowhere Gerlach, nevada you know like <laughs> oh yeah they're bringing a lot there? of money in <laughs> Now, what was the experience like? I mean, aside from the police that, as you say, it really was a police state, and I'm, I'm bummed to hear that. It, it, it kind of bums me about possibly going next year. I, I don't know if I will or not, but uh, but uh, aside like from I that, said, I mean... You know, you, you should experience it. I believe yeah. everyone should probably have an experience, but when they say radical reliance, that's exactly what it means. Like, if you don't have ice in your cooler, your food will go bad. If you... You know, you have to wait until the people that get the ice come back because you can't go in and out. And it's probably three miles away from your camp. You know, like you got to hike it on your back. (laughs) Sure. When the dust storm hits, you know, you can't go outside. Like even if you're in a huge, nice RV, you know, you go outside, the dust will get inside. It's all over you. It's gypsum. It's like what they make cement out of. So it makes you it makes you feel like your body doesn't fit in your clothes almost. And now, now you I didn't mean, have you were in a you were in a tent, so you weren't in an RV uh, out there. No, I was in a pop up trailer. Um, oh, okay. I I went in style. You know, I had we had a nice little thing to go to and our own bathroom. And so, you know, are you able to take yeah. a shower at any point during no. burning? <laughs> No. <laughs> no, unless you have an RV, but it's, even if you go out, you're going to get dirty. Like, yeah, you can't, instantly, right? You know, but I recommend getting Huggy Wipes because right. they will save your life. <laughs> That's a, it's a good but, suggestion so, because if you bring water in your RV, it's only going to last for so long, right? And you're not going to want to use yeah, it on a shower. We bought 20 gallons. We bought 20 gallons and we, we lasted three days, you know, so, hmm. <laughs> so um, it's... There's a lot of um, nude people there as well. So I've heard about I mean, that. Wouldn't that be prepared. difficult with all the dust uh, around like that? Oh, oh, yeah. I mean, there's this place that, you know, people will actually go and have sex on it. And, that know, sounds like a bad idea. Fisting, there's like fisting booths. And <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> We don't need to get into the description about what that means, considering we are on the radio. So we'll have to we'll have to leave that one there. But there is all kinds. Of, so it sounds like there are all kinds of interesting things uh, going on there. Bernie. Yeah. Yes. I mean, it was like I said, a once in a lifetime experience for me. I had fun. I got on art cars. You know, like I said, they have these cars that are like flaming and. Everything's on fire, and that's cool. But with all kinds I of just, lights and neon, if you if you you yeah. were, you could go and watch some of it at the uh, the Burning Man website, where they had the, their UStream channel. They were streaming live throughout the entire event, and you can see these art cars uh, driving around a little bit here. Uh, Brittany, do you have more time to talk a little bit more about uh, Miss High Times and some of the other things you're sure. up to? Right, more with Brittany yeah. here in a moment, sure. uh, and you can dial in toll free at eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Take control of the airwaves. Bring up whatever's on your mind, Brittany. Wagner is with us. She is Miss High Times 2010, and this is Free Talk Live. 
In 2010, you were fighting for your rights. In 2019, we are fighting for our lives. The last illusions of economic stability have shattered, revealing the financial dystopia that lies beneath the surface. The Federal Reserve has run out of lies and out of time. Those who stand for liberty will right their wrongs or die trying. Get involved with the epic animated feature-length film, Silver Circle, at silvercirclemovie.com. Just remember, when they control the money, they control everything. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever's on your mind. Dial in toll-free and take control of the airwaves at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We give you the features on the site for free, so enjoy those uh, on us, including archives. So if you've missed a moment of the show, click and download. They're right there on the front page. In fact, uh, last week's worth is on the front page, and then you click into the archive section. You can go all the way back to 2006 all for free. And it's courtesy of HostGator. That's right, HostGator.FreeTalkLive.com. That's the the portal that we've set up to get you your first month completely free at HostGator. They're a worldwide leader for web hosting. They make it easy for you to get your own .com domain name. You create your very own website website there with their free site builder tools, templates, and templates. Whether you want a personal blog or complete e-commerce, business website, or anything in between, let the experts at HostGator.FreeTalkLive.com host you. All right, we're on here, uh, the phone's with a special guest tonight. It's Miss High Times 2010. You can go to MissHighTimes.com and you can see a picture of, or actually a few pictures, of Brittany Wagner. She's on the line with us here. And uh, the original reason we had you call in tonight, or that it was brought up that you could call in, and you so graciously have, uh, was because you actually spent some time at Burning Man. It was your first Burning Man, and we've been talking off and on about it here on Free Talk Live throughout the last week. And you're actually the first uh, burner, if you will, to report in with uh, with your experience your first and perhaps your last it was a pretty tough time out in the desert uh, from what i'm understanding pretty much uh, no way in a in heck that you could uh, possibly shower in the middle of this uh, this desert you said that uh, basically baby wipes were your lifesaver out there yeah that, that, that's true i mean some people had nice rvs and could take showers and would offer people but like I said, the dust storms, when they hit, there's no way you're going to stay clean. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> how many were there, by the way? And how long do they last? Oh, they last. It would start at 12. Like, if we were lucky, it would start at 12, sometimes 1130, and it would blow until 8 o'clock at night. Really? Sometimes even 10. Yeah, and it would be hard. Like, And maybe what we had to do is we had to wear goggles and a face mask the mm-hmm. whole time so we could go and, like, still see the art and stuff, or we'd have to wake up super early because from, like, 12 in the morning to, like, 6 in the the morning, it's no dust storms. So that's the reason why people love to go. So so would you say there is a dust storm every single day like that? Yes, yes, every single day. That's rough. That is hardcore. Yeah, Sounds like a lot of a real blast there, Ian. I definitely want to go with you. <laughs> People wow. are intense. That's what's really trippy. So I guess then you just sleep through the day most of the time and be out at they, night they and early morning. The dust storms aren't too hard. Huh. And it, it's got to be pretty hot too, right? I oh mean, my gosh. You're in a pop-up. Oh, 100, 120. You, did, the, did the pop-up trailer have an air conditioning unit? No I mean, way. I can't imagine. Where, we where are you going to plug it in? But, yeah. We had a generator, but the dust actually clogged the generator <sighs> up. Yep. So it, 
We Jeez. were fucked. <laughs> oh, we've got to drop that one. We are on the radio. Oh, just to, we'll give you that one, but uh, try to watch it uh, no in more. the in the future. So, um, so yeah, I mean that's that's hardcore. I mean, dust storms all day long. If you're sleeping during the day, now one of the things they say about Burning Man is you've got to have you know enough water to get you through that week. I mean, presumably you might yeah. be able to get some when you're there, but you've really got to bring everything in that you need for the entire week. Did you run out? How much did you? Yeah. Let me let me just tell you guys a little bit about how it works there. So you can't buy anything there, right? Except for ice and coffee. That's it. And everybody there is in a barter system, so you're supposed to give people gifts. That's the uh, the trait. So people kind of are a little bit moochy off you, you know. They're fucking. Oh. Sorry, I didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's a lot of there's a lot of dirty hippies out there who don't have anything. They spent all their money to get the ticket, so they're like really into trying to get all of your stuff, you know. Like your wow. beer or whatever you have. So the like, so the freeloaders the the freeloaders yeah, are are in, in force. Yeah, when we came in, the people are supposed to be like welcome home, and there's a tradition where you ring a bell, and then you're supposed to like roll in the dirt or something, and then they tell you what to do and where to go and what's good, you know, in the town. Well, the people that welcomed me were like, "You got any beer?" Like, jeez. <laughs> oh, yeah, this whole commune thing really works. <laughs> That's amazing. It was, yeah, it was it was a trip, man. It was really a trip. Sam, you had a couple of good questions. I thought that you wanted to share. Yeah, I'm just wondering uh, of of your time at the at the Burning Man. Who were the? What was the most memorable experience or people that you came across? G- give us some of the highlights of like things you didn't um, expect. Well, um, that's actually a really awesome question that you asked because. Like I said, the art out there is amazing. The people that spend the time to make this is, I mean, there's like two feet tall, or two, you know, two stories tall. Oh, yeah. We like looked at the... Uh, woman we, that's on fire at night, you know, we, and it's just so beautiful. The fire spinners, you know, they were also amazing. Like, when you watch them move, it's just like so, you know, intricate and amazing. And the, the time that the, these people spend to make this Nobody is out there to, you know, you're not babysitting anyone when you go out there. Like, you got to rely on yourself. So there's nobody that's like, you know, you got to take care of it. Everyone's out there relying on themselves. So that was pretty cool. But um, I was listening to the. To, I was listening to the radio. They've got the Burning Man radio that they were actually streaming online, uh, so people around the world could listen. And uh, they would they would cut in sometimes between songs, and they would they would play promos for the artwork. So basically, the way I understand it is, the Burning Man folks will take the millions of dollars that they make in the year prior, and they'll spend a bunch of it. I don't know how much of it, but they'll spend a lot of that money uh-huh. on essentially hiring some of these amazing artists to. Uh-huh. So so they're okay. not just they're not just doing the art for the the heck of it although there's a lot of that a lot of people just bring their own art and they do that but some of these guys are actually getting paid to make some amazing sculptures and some of the things Britney's talking yeah. about. Yeah, I was amazed. I yeah, mean, we I mean, watched the webcam yeah. and uh, there were people like climbing up these towers that seemed to go several stories high and people sitting up in them looking out over the uh, campground and so forth. Yep, um it was, you know, like I said, it was amazing. They had like you know, this temple that they built, that's another thing that really stuck out to me. Like, the second you step up, they have this temple, and they make it different every single year. Mm-hmm. And they start on Monday, 
and then it, it's and by the time it's Saturday, the whole thing is made. And when you step up to this thing, you have goosebumps. I mean, people are mourning and they're they're asking for something, and you know, it's it's really spiritual in a way. And at the end of the the Sunday, they burn the temple, and I guess it's just. You know, the man, they put a, a propane, propane tank in it, and it just, you know, blows up. Well, <laughs> this temple, they have, like, a spiritual way that they light it on fire. I didn't stick around to see, unfortunately. They had to drive back to Colorado, but... Um, oh, you, did, did you... Wait, but, you didn't get to see the man burn on the uh, at the end, or you did? I, no, no, this is I the didn't temple. see the man burn. I didn't see the temple burn. But, I see. Um, when do they normally do that? Is that late, later than the man? Sunday. Su- oh, so Sunday, Sunday's okay. the temple... And man's on Saturday. So um, I, you know, I wrote on the temple, my, my friend of mine passed away, and, you know, I just asked for him to be free, and, and, and it really touched me in a way. So that was also another experience that was really cool. So a lot of uh, kind of mixed experiences, everything from the difficulty yeah. of relying on yourself in the desert to some amazing, uh, you know, really touching spiritual experiences. What about the people? Sammy, another yeah. good question about that. What was that one? Yeah. Yeah, that was the next thing I was going to get to. So, you know, I was walking around. I walked around the entire Burning Man after the man bird. So people were going all out, blaring everything, like everything they had, you know, was going. And this this guy came up to me, and he wrapped his arm around me and my friend, because I was with my friend, and he was talking to me, but I... I got to tell you, man, he was on another level. Like, <laughs> he was saying, he was in another language that I, can, I, can, I will never be able to, it's like, a shaman, it was so weird, man. How'd he smell? And he, he was like, yeah. He was, like, sucking energy out of me, I felt like. <laughs> tell you what, Brittany, hang on. Can you stick with us for one more segment? Yeah. All right, more with Brittany in a moment here. Your thoughts are welcome as well. Bring up anything. This is Free Talk Live. This Your Family Today tip is brought to you by Boost Kit Essentials Nutritionally Complete Drink, providing your picky eater with essential nutrition and great taste in one drink. Visit us at kitessentials.com. To make sure your kids eat healthy, follow the five-a-day plan. Serve three servings of vegetables and two servings of fruit daily. Remember, a serving could just mean a piece of fruit or a half cup of veggies. If your kids are picky eaters, ask a nutritionist about other sources. For more tips like these, visit us at parenthood.com slash yourfamilytoday. Live, you can take control of the airwaves. Dial in toll free 800 259 9231. That's the SACL CAI toll free line 1 800 259 9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We give you the features on the site for free, so enjoy those on us again. Freetalklive.com. Miss High Times is with us. Uh, Miss High Times 2010, Brittany Wagner is here on the lines and uh. Staying with us for the entire uh, remainder of the hour. Thanks for for coming on Free Talk Live tonight, Brittany. Yeah, thanks for having me. I've I've had a really good time. (laughs) Well, we've talked a lot about Burning Man so far, but let's go back to the beginning of the conversation and come back around to uh, Miss High Times. Uh, Was this your first year entering in uh, Miss High Times? Oh, yeah. Uh, I entered, I actually started my profile on the site July 19th of 2009. 
Now, it's been about a year, about a year, yeah, since I started. Now, tell me a little bit more, if you know, how much uh, about how this works. Like, how many uh, other contestants were there? Who were you? How many people were you well, up against? And is it voted by the, the, the viewers of the website or the, the magazine readers or the editorial staff? How does that work? Well, basically, what you do is you start a profile online. You have a blog. You take five pictures um, of you, like, smoking or doing something, you know, fun. Hi, times you in the community, like, helping people or whatever you want to do. And um, you have people vote. So you have to, like, self-promote yourself. Like, put, I put myself on a little business card, and I did things like go to fish concerts and do just crazy things. So hmm. people would just, you know, go to the site to vote for me. So every month they reset the votes and you have people go to your site and they vote one through 10 on each of your pictures. And then each, you know, if you land in the top 20, then you get noticed by the high time staff mm-hmm. and um, the high time staff will, um, you know, send you an email if they like your profile and see you consistently taking different pictures. And, you know, I posted blogs of things that I did and, and like, you know, what I did for that month and, you know, just odds, odds and ends and how my life changed since I, you know, because right when I got on board with all of this, um, the marijuana business in Colorado was still just a little seed. <laughs> and now it's a huge tree and it seemed like overnight you know so my life has really you know drastically changed i made a lot of choices that were you know kind of risky because the business wasn't you know but i was wise and now i work at a dispensary and i get to do things that i love and help people every day that's a really cool it's an it's it's a unique job at least to most americans clearly in places like california there are a bunch of dispensaries although we just talked (laughs) recently about how they're cracking down and shutting down hundreds of them which is really ludicrous but uh in in denver i presume is it now is it just denver where they have the dispensaries or is it statewide in colorado actually statewide but um the laws are actually cracking down here as well really? um they are yeah and um, there was over a thousand five hundred dispensaries in denver alone and over 75 percent of them have been shut down in the past month in oh, the month dude yes was it raids all or the laws that were regulating hmm. you can't have a felony you know they really started looking at who was the strongest like You have to be a wellness center, so you have to have a grow that can produce 70% of your medicine. So we have a a patient base of over 1,500 people right now. But, I mean, since this whole law has changed, we have went from a mom-and-pop place to King Supers or uh, Albertsons overnight, like, you know, Walmart. Um, People, you know, they they can't, but they also put a lot of taxes on the people that started the business sure. and they couldn't afford to stay open. So it's unfortunate that, that, uh, that that's what's happening. It's, it's, it's too bad that it, mm-hmm. that it goes that way, where people are allowed uh, enough freedom to open up a business and start things up, and then the government comes in. They invest all their money, exactly. Yeah. They invest all their money and time and, 
you know, it's really sad to see people trying to do it right. all illegally now just to stay alive. And it's really <laughs> just these government people do not want to give up control. They they just can't imagine a no. world where they're not in charge and, and running everything yep. and controlling Get the this. whole industry. Get, Get this. So in Denver alone, there's over a thousand applications for medical marijuana a day. They are backlogged wow. 60,000. It takes eight months just to get your card. <laughs> like there is the rate crazy. of people trying to get medical marijuana is insane. <laughs> right. And of course, the government is so incompetent that they can't handle this. They can't handle processing all of this. They, they didn't know what they were getting into when they created exactly. these uh, these rules. Now, is it like that in California uh, where uh, where you have to get a card from the state or is it just a prescription from a doctor that's good enough? Do you know? It's a prescri- you, there's actually also you have to go through a doctor's process and the laws out here have also changed so that you have to go back to the doctor but it's not hard as long as you can afford to see the doctor. You know, you just go once a year. Like, I have mine because I have, have, I'm a girl and I have cramps. Mm. You know, so if I keep going in and saying I have really severe cramps, then, but, I mean, I really do. So, and I also have And asthma, from what I understand, not, it really helps. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really helps everything. Like, my appetite, like, the way I feel when I'm on my period. I can actually move around, you know. I feel... The pain, like I also have asthma, and vaporizing helps my asthma like tremendously. I can cough like everything up and feel almost better than taking an inhaler. Like, <laughs> that's pretty amazing. It's, I mean, all of the the medical medicine. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and you're working at a dispensary. So all day long, you're meeting people with stories like this, I imagine. Um, we actually have one patient that was an athlete and he was um, his name's Curtis. And he's 23 years old, and he was diagnosed with cancer. And, um, you know, it just breaks my heart seeing him come in after chemo, and he's sluggish, and we just we give him all everything we have, you know, because it's just like he's, he has his whole life ahead of him, and you just pray for the best, you know, and you, you want to help the pain. You want to help it go away because you care about the person. Like, he'll come in and hang out with us, and it's just like... A blessing, you know, like we're helping his life. He doesn't have to be on morphine. It's just amazing how difficult it is to life. Yeah, it's amazing how difficult it is to get these uh, politicians, these black-hearted yeah. politicians, to uh, to do anything to help these people. I mean, you can put the I mean, put a man in a wheelchair in front of these people, and he can tell them about his personal story, and they'll just blow him off. Well, they've got, they uh, try to walk away because they don't yeah. want a picture yeah. taken. It's just it's horrible exactly. what these people are doing. So, I mean, hold up a beer and then hold up a joint right next to it and look look at which one's more dangerous. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, it, you just, it blows my mind to think that a, you can get a prescription for a Xanax faster than you can get, you know. A in most places. Pack. Yeah, absolutely. And, and we're here in New Hampshire doing our show uh, from Keene, New Hampshire. And uh, there, New Hampshire isn't quite as uh, far down the road as uh, Colorado or California. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, right. Not yet. Uh, things are, are working in the right direction. We've got the Free State Project here, which brings uh, liberty activists here to New Hampshire. And uh, we want to mention Pork Fest, the Porcupine Freedom Festival, uh, to you, Brittany, because you might find it a little bit more fun than uh, than Burning Man. There's no desert. It's the <laughs> I'm not saying I didn't have fun. 
I'm just saying it was different. We it's, have and, showers, And though. Pork yeah. Fest is very different. We it hasn't got, jumped the shark yet. Yeah, it hasn't jumped the shark. And we're out in the woods. It's more of like a camping kind of an event. And what we did this year oh, was wow. there was there was wide open smoking of, of everywhere. cannabis everywhere uh, oh. on the on the main drag of the camping uh, site. But that's it's expected because the activists that have come up here to New Hampshire have been doing 420 celebrations pretty much for the last year straight in the, the park in the center of town. Even though it's completely prohibited, uh, people are out there smoking up every single day. And uh, we had the Cannabis Culture, which, of course, is High Times' kind of competitor. Uh, I'm sure you've heard of Mark Emery. He's the publisher there. I have. Uh, yes, I have. Yeah, they did a huge, huge article about the 420 celebrations that are happening here in Keene with at one point we had over 130 people uh, smoking up in this wow. tiny little park in the center of town and it's just been an amazing thing and on 420 this year we had uh, over 100 maybe 200 people on the, the state capitol steps uh, doing a 420 there and so there's quite a quite a little movement here I think things are going to come along pretty nicely and I, I really appreciate you coming on Free Talk Live tonight. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you, do you guys know about normal? Do you guys have a normal? Sure, sure. There's, I, I'm pretty sure there's a normal chapter in every state, the National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws. Brittany Wagner, the 2010 Miss High Times. You can go to (laughs) MissHighTimes.com. Tell you what, Brittany, hang on one moment here. Uh, Hour number three is on the way. You can take control of the airwaves and bring up whatever you want. 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. MemoryDealers.com offers the world's largest selection of discounted optical transceivers, including SFPs, GBICs, XFPs, Zempacs, and X2s, that are 100% compatible with all major networking equipment manufacturers, including Cisco, 3Com, Foundry, Alcatel, and HP, at up to 99% off list price. Memory Dealers can also offer customized solutions for your transceiver requirements, including private labeling. Memory Dealers is your trusted source for all your networking and telecom accessory needs, in stock and ready to ship via overnight delivery. MemoryDealers.com. Talk Live. We are launching into the third hour of the program. As always, you can take control of the airwaves. Bring up anything at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We give you the features on the site free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. Joining you tonight, it's Ian. And Sam. And Mark. Sam, by the way, is here uh, from ObscuredTruth.com. And you've been busily uh, putting together some videos recently. What are some of the recent uh, releases? I have. The latest one was a, a police DUI sobriety checkpoint where they go through and check all the papers and, and license plate registration and all the stuff to make sure the driver's sober. And so what we did is some of the activists went down. It's also an obedience checkpoint as well. It it is, it is. And uh, one of the activists went down 100 yards down to the traffic circle at one end of the traffic stop with a sign that said uh, police checkpoint ahead to uh, give people the chance to not go to in just that direction continue right around the circle right. and take to spend any their one valuable the time in some way other than going through this silly checkpoint. 
So you, on the back of the sign, though, when the police came by, we would flip it around to a sign that said, never question authority. <laughs> and the police would wave to us when we got that. And then once they were gone, we'd flip, flip it, back it back around. Nice. <laughs> nice. That's hilarious. So you can see the video of that. Uh, it's up at freekeen.com, but it was, uh, did you upload that to your Obscured channel? Truth as okay. well, yeah. Obscuredtruth.com as well. So let's go to your phone calls. Uh, to the fun, Ralph, listening in Michigan. Ralph, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey, uh, new caller. Welcome, sir. I've just been listening to you guys for the last week, and I'm trying to wrap my mind around where you guys stand on some of your issues. All right, let's hear it. Well, I was just, I was just wondering. I know you're against the police state. Yeah. Because you're always, I mean, obviously, every time I hear you talking, talking it down, which you know I'm all for uh, being against it. But every once in a while, I hear you also kind of pro schools. Pro schools. You know, pro-teachers pro and stuff like that. Hmm. Uh, what did you hear uh, you specifically? Know, well, you know, a, a good, you, know you, you talk about education and stuff like that, you know, which is, education is good, don't get me wrong. But well, maybe you, like, mis, maybe you misheard, so le- allow me to clarify. I am pro-education, but not pro-government schools. I think that, okay. uh, I think that if you want uh, young people to be educated, then the government is the last organization that you want to be in charge of that. The government... Okay. Schools are nothing more than indoctrination camps that bring uh, bring young people to the point where they can function. Uh, you know, they can function as drones, essentially worker drones in a society that encourages them to stay down, keep their head down, don't take any risk, don't cre- uh, think critically, uh, don't question authority, etc. Follow the path. Yeah. Follow the right. Follow this little path. Get yourself a nice job. Get comfy. Uh, earn some money, and then retire, and we'll take care of you for the rest of your life, etc., etc. So I think the government schools are one of the uh, the biggest propaganda devices that the government people have and I'm firmly and I think I can I think I can speak for the both of you in this particular case uh firmly against it. I'm homeschooling. Okay, good. Uh, I I'm, I'm I'm glad you you said that then because like I said, you know, I just started listening to you guys sure. and uh, usually I come in from outside working about uh 7 o'clock. Where are you at in Michigan if I might ask? Uh I'm by New Baltimore. I don't know where that is. That's not very helpful. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all the towns around us are really small. Gotcha. I guess we're about 40 miles north of Detroit. Okay, okay. He shouldn't have asked you that question because he doesn't know any of the towns in Michigan. I anyway. know some of them, the ones we're on the air in. I know those. <laughs> well, we, I listen to you over the computer. Okay. Uh, my, my wife tunes it in for me. And she, like good. I said, she's just been tuning this uh, one station in. and uh, Excellent. Uh, you know, I, I picked you guys up and started listening to you because, so, you know, we're, we're about the only people around here that uh, everybody thinks we're nuts uh, around yeah. here. You know, uh, I, I tell them the truth about the Bible and I tell them the truth about this government and this world and what's going on. And, and, uh, well, wait, 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 wait. What? Just, I'm just curious. What's the truth about the Bible? What's the truth about the Bible? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, if you're, if you're going to a 501c3 uh, church, then you might as well just go and worship the government. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yep. I mean, I'm not a Christian. I was at one time. Uh, I then transitioned into an atheist period in my life and then moved into being a panentheist. Uh, so I'm somewhat familiar with uh, the Bible, having gone to Christian camp and things like that. Mark has read it a number of times. I go to times. a Quaker meeting. I suspect they're a 501c3 or at the very you least they're, they're recognized by uh, some kind of government in, entity Ew, or another. You need to check on that, Mark. That yeah. seems seems very unquaker. I don't think you don't ha- you don't have to, as a church uh, or religious body, you don't actually have to register with the government. But Many do. Most do. I, I would know. double check on that. That seems very unquaker. 
Well, isn't that what happened at the Culpeper Farm there? Uh, the king was uh, making ministers buy the king's stamps for they can preach. And if you didn't do it, you know, you got kind of punished for it. And that's, isn't that what they're doing with the 501c3? Uh, same Sounds thing? likely. Yeah, I, I definitely understand completely where you're coming from. Uh, there is a lot of worship within the Christian, so-called Christian community. There's a lot of worship of the state. Uh, they, you know, they they will stand and and pledge allegiance to a flag, which is idolatry, in uh, in my opinion. And it's come out that there, uh, the federal government is reaching out to the pastors and ministers and telling them to sort of train or indoctrinate their flock into. Trust the government. If things go wrong, then, you know, you just do what the government says and everything will be okay. And, and that's just so crazy. And, and they'll, indoctrinate their, uh, they'll indoctrinate these so-called Christians into believing that whatever the U.S. government does, the people they kill around the world in Afghanistan, Iraq, and other places somehow is in God's name. and that uh, That's what that, God would do. That, yeah. they're, that this God that's supposedly a God of peace and love and forgiveness and turning the other cheek would somehow support slaughtering uh, innocent people uh, around the world. It's just all so backwards isn't it well you know here's here's where we kind of disagree though you know i say uh i talk to a lot of these and i use the word uh loosely christians now i'm one of i'm one of god's people i'm not a christian because these people that use the word christian they just use it too loosely but uh here's the thing uh you know when i talk to some of these people around here especially family members because they they always keep saying we you're no Christian I've ever met. And I'm like, good. I said, uh, let me give you chapter and verse on that, and where it talks about God's people are a peculiar people. And I want to be peculiar because I don't want to be one of those people that you've met. Well, tell me about but, where we're disagreeing. I, I'm still not well, sure. Well, let, let me go there. I just wanted to clarify that. But anyways, you know, uh, they talk about love and, and all this. And I said, well, well, let me ask you a question. I said, is there a hell? And they said, oh, yeah. I said, well, What's hell all about? And they said, well, that's where people go that, that are unrepentant and bad and so forth. I said, yeah. So I said, very good. I said, but here's the question. I said, you know that uh, many are called and few are chosen? That means uh, most of this world is going to be ending up in hell? So, well, no, no. God, God's uh, Son covers us with His grace. I said, yeah, He covers those who accept His grace and follow it but not those who are truly repentant and don't follow it. You know, this this particular story, um, the, the one that includes uh, God sending his uh, his children that he loves to hell, just strikes me as uh, the, the bastardization of a religion that, in fact, was centered around, uh, you know, love and forgiveness and mercy and treating people that, uh, you know, treating people that you would treat uh, as yourself and, and loving the Lord with all your heart, uh, soul, and mind. It seems to me that they, you know, somebody took the whole Hades thing and just inserted it because you know I would I have a son and I would never you know if he touched something I wouldn't take you know say a pair of uh, a diagonal cutters some dikes and cut his little fingers off in order to teach him a lesson but God says if you make one the, the God you're talking about there says if you make one little mistake um, that you've sinned and you've fallen short of the grace of God and I've read that Bible back and front uh, three times read the New Testament seven times and as far as I'm concerned it's a mishmash of contradictory bullcrap and I you know if God wants to send me to hell on judgment day i'm going to look him right in the eye and i'm going to say go ahead you sick evil man because i just don't believe that that that, that i don't believe that god exists so i'm prepared for that day 
That's just it. You know, you, you said that he's unforgiving. He is forgiving. That's why he gave his only begotten son but he, for our sins. But he gave it to his us. only begotten son came to earth and instead of say teaching something important like hygiene or uh, you know bacteria he's driving demons out of people demons for God's sakes it's 2010 do you believe in demons oh yeah uh, let's bring him back <laughs> hang on Ralph uh, uh, clearly we agreed on a lot at the beginning uh, at this point <laughs> well, it's just fun now yeah more with Ralph if you got time more uh, in a moment here at 800-259-9231 the SACL CAI toll free line plus uh, we get a chance we'll get back to the prosecutor the man that put Mark Emery behind bars now coming out in favor of ending the war on drugs have you been thinking about starting a website I'm going to tell you about a great offer from HostGator HostGator is a worldwide leader for web hosting, and they make it easy to get your own .com domain name. You create your very own website with their free site builder tools and templates. Sign up at hostgator.freetalklive.com to receive your first month completely free. Whether you want a personal blog or a complete e-commerce business website, let the experts at hostgator.freetalklive.com host you. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves and dial in toll-free. Bring up anything at 800-259-9231, the SACL-CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com and enjoy all the features there totally free, including our webcam. You can watch, listen, and interact. We've got our chat room built into the very same page, and it's all brought to you free at cam.freetalklive.com. That's cam.freetalklive.com and brought to you by memorydealers.com. That's right. Memorydealers.com offers the world's largest selection of discounted optical transceivers, including SFPs, XFPs, GBIX, Zenpax, X2s, they're all 100% compatible with all the major networking equipment manufacturers, including Cisco, 3Com, Foundry, Alcatel, and HP at up to 99% off of list price. And MemoryDealers.com can also drive out your demons. MemoryDealers.com! <laughs> <laughs> so we go back to Ralph, who is still with us there in uh, Michigan. And Ralph, you started out the, the call, newer listener to the program, wanted to clear up a couple of issues, and uh, those were a couple of issues we agreed on. Getting the government out of education, for instance, uh, and I forget what the other one was, but a uh, couple we agreed it's on. everything we get the government out of, I agree with. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then uh, we got to the issue of theology, and of course there's some disagreement here on this program because I don't think any of the three of us are uh, self-described as Christians. I'm a Quaker. Yeah. And uh, I'm a panentheist. I've been to some Quaker meetings. I don't know if that means I can I can be a Quaker, but I, I'll call myself a Quaker for the purposes of – I mean, uh, there's no way they can say I'm not a Quaker, right? I don't know. I don't know either. Um, Sam, how would you describe yourself? Well, someone told me I'm not a Quaker. Someone told you that? Yeah, in, in the one of the newspaper uh, comments, uh, you go around carrying a gun, no self-respecting Quaker would ever do that, which is not even true. Right. You carry a gun? <laughs> no. Well, no, see... I would agree with that statement. Every uh, free stater... Let's get back to Ralph. Right, every free stater's the same, though, Mark. So if Rich Paul, uh, the local uh, one of the local activists who does carry a gun and is, is very visible, carries a gun, then everyone must carry a gun. Right. Uh, so, Ralph, uh, you're back with us. Now, Mark, you made a comment about demons. You asked Ralph if he believes in them, and I'm not sure where you were going with that. But oh, we I was ran- just asking, uh, and he uh, you know, uh, agreed in the affirmative. Uh, so, Ralph, tell me about these demons. Do they cause sickness? Most sickness? All sickness? No, 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 no. A lot of that's brought on by our own stupidity. Just eating bad stuff and smoking cigarettes and things? 
Wait a minute, wait a minute. You're all for smoking pot, but you're against smoking cigarettes. Oh, no. I'm, That's kind of hypocritical, I, isn't it? You can smoke whatever whatever combusted plant material you wish to smoke. I'm just, don't have the expectation that uh, smoking that com- uh, combusted plant material is somehow going to necessarily leave you in a healthier condition than when, before you started. Well, I'm not, I'm not, in, I'm not, I do smoke okay. cigarettes. Used to smoke pot. Don't do that no more. Simply because I like to retain control of my my faculties. Mm-hmm. So I what? Too, I got too lazy and too too laid back when I smoke pot. So what do the demons do? What right. what in your belief wait, wait system? A minute, wait a minute. Let's clarify the cigarettes. Okay, and I'm not trying to justify them. Don't get me wrong here. Mm, no. But if you go back to some of the Indians' practices with tobacco, it was a purification form because cigarettes will make you sweat, and the tobacco nicotine in there will cause the, the impurities in your body to come out through the sweat. I, all those you things didn't are know fine that, with me. did you? I, 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 did, I hadn't really ever thought about it. Um, cigarettes, to me, are something that someone chooses to do, uh, whether, you know, and, and as far as I'm concerned, as long as they're on their own property or property that they have paid to maintain, i.e. real public property, not uh, not property open to the public that's owned by somebody, then they should be able to smoke on that property, um, you know, whether it's in a building or out of building or whatever, uh, whether it's their business or their home, uh, you know, whatever it is, I think that, uh, you know, that's a, smoking is a right. Yeah, nobody here on this show has any problem with you smoking uh, cigarettes. And okay, you can have well, one. I just wanted to clarify that because sure. you realize also that a, a virus cannot live in a smoke-filled environment? I, I didn't know that. No. Don't yeah. know whether that actually prevents diseases for smokers, as I, I understand. I didn't say it prevented diseases. Okay. I said virus. Okay. I don't know if humans can survive in a smoke-filled environment either. <laughs> so let's go. Let's go back to the issue of the demons. I want to know more about this. What okay. what what demons? Uh, in what demons do you believe? What do they do? What tasks? Well, I, I believe they exist. I don't believe in them. Do you follow me? Because gotcha. if you believe in them, then you'd, you'd be kind of worshiping. Worshiping them, I believe they exist. Do they have names, or are they just kind of a nameless, faceless? Oh no, they things? have names. They have names. Do I sit there and dwell on their names and and, and read about their names? No, I do not. What do they do uh, during the day? What do they do? Probably cause trouble. I, I you know. So can they I mean, move? There's been there's been times in my life that that uh, you know. I've made bad decisions, and some of those decisions were just because of stupidity, mm-hmm. and some of those decisions could have been because of influence of uh, well, of evil. I always wonder about way, this. Either way, I take responsibility for my decisions. Well, that's good. Because, yep. You'd have to. Well, the point is, is if I left myself open to be, be influenced by them, then it's my fault. Now, um, I've, I've always wondered this. If demons, uh, as I understand it, are, don't have corporeal bodies, they, they, they can't move things in this world. And I wonder how is it that they sit on people's shoulders and whisper in their ears and, and control their minds if they can't move things in real life? But they can. So, so they can like pick up, they could pick up this uh, swing line stapler here and uh, whip it across the room? Well, they could if they wanted to. So uh, it yeah, makes you yeah, wonder. Let me ask you a question. You ever watch any of these uh, these programs <laughs> on TV where the, these ghost hunters or whatever you call them are? Yes. When I was a kid. Okay. Well, I'm just saying there's programs, and you know, every once in a while we flip through the TV and you, you run across these ghost adventures or whatever they're called, and uh, they they've caught something on tape where something went flying across the room. Well, they call them ghosts. But you know, like if, if, it's you, if you know the truth, no, 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 it's not about about death. Now, here's the thing: when you die, that's just it. You you are dead, and you go into an eternal sleep until the resurrection. 
You don't wander around as a ghost. You don't go into the kingdom of heaven because no man... And you know this because it says that in an old book. Plain and simple. He said no man will ascend to heaven. A lot of people say, well, how about the thief on the cross? He said you will be in heaven this day with me. Well, if you you die and you fall into eternal sleep, when you wake up, it says if you died that or woke up that same day. So... You know, that's how you it get the analogy there. So, yeah. Ralph, what if... What that's if, the point I'm trying to say. There is no ghost. They are demons. What if you don't go to heaven because heaven and hell are a place that exists right now, right here on Earth? That it's it's a sort of a state of mind. It's, it's sort of uh, how you choose to perceive the world. I mean, you can choose to come from a place that's empowering to you, where you're following your passions, where you're living your dreams, and the universe and God or the inner light, whatever you want to call it, will line things up for you and, and life will seem to flow. Or you can sort of go against what your uh, intuition is telling you, what you think is best, what what feels to be like you know the right thing for you to do. You can choose to sort of turn away from that. And then you will experience hell where things aren't working, where problems crop up and so forth. Could that be what the Bible's talking about? Well, I, I think you're asking the meaning of life here, almost. And a lot of people look at me and they, they ask, well, you know, how can... Okay, I'll give you an example. With, with the housing bubble that came and, and blew up and everybody losing their job and this, I knew this was coming back in the... Well, actually, I'll tell you what, we don't have much time for a long example, <laughs> but I want to thank you for the call tonight. And you're welcome to call in any old time you want to. Whatever it is you want to talk about, that's why we're here. Yeah, thanks, thanks for, for being a good sport, Ralph. Yeah, appreciate it. Uh, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can take control of the airwaves. This is Free Talk Live. Become a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 per month. You'll get perks, and you'll help us free more minds worldwide. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves and dial in toll-free. Bring up whatever's on your mind at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com, and you can enjoy the features there for free. Uh, Those features, by the way, include our wiki with over 2,000 pages created by listeners like you. W-I-K-I wiki.freetalklive.com. You can get over there and edit virtually anything you see. Wiki, uh, wiki.freetalklive.com. Now, what if you found out the best liberty activists from around the world were moving to the same place in order to achieve liberty in their lifetimes? Would you want to join them? Well, it's happening, and you can be a part of it. Join the Free State Project at freestateproject.org. That's freestateproject.org. And by the way, uh, Free Talk Live has now been in New Hampshire, broadcasting from New Hampshire for four years. Man, it has gone uh, quickly, and it has been absolutely wonderful so far. Mark, uh, you at the, at the very beginning were a little bit homesick, and then you managed to settle in. You got yourself a place. You 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 started a family. You settled down, and yeah. Now I don't like to go uh, back to Sarasota or any place else. I mean, I, really, it's it's just about uh, you know whatever you call home, and um, you know how you feel. So you know now this is home, and I want to be here. 
We just had one of our newest movers, Brooke Kelly, uh, on the, the show a couple of days, or I think it was yesterday, actually, last night. And she was talking about how uh, she discovered that the people up here were her friends. She just didn't know it yet, that uh, they were her friends that were waiting for her uh, to get to know her better when she made the move. And now she is making that move. And it's 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 been a great experience for her so far as well as after finding out that what as what she termed as the Ron Paul revolution dying around the country uh this is the place to go if you're sick and tired of watching libertarian candidates fail of watching this you know Ron Paul revolution die out of uh, if you're burned out personally on uh, just spinning your wheels at, at politics wherever you are politics is possible here in New Hampshire civil disobedience is burgeoning here in New Hampshire media creation is all over the uh, uh, all over the place, television, radio, internet, it's all here. And Sam, you are now, uh, you've been here, what, a year and a half plus at this point? Uh, a early over 2009? a year and a half. Yeah, I got here uh, January 1st of 2009. Yeah, so. so in a few more months, you'll be celebrating your second year. I will. Wow. And how's it uh, reflect for us here briefly? Uh, man, it's uh, it's hard to imagine sort of going back uh, to the old life at the same time. The corporate job. Yeah, well, just living away from the activists, the sort of the things that are going on here. There's there's progress being made. There's people who care about, you know, something outside of uh, their their nine to five job and going out and getting drunk at the bars mm-hmm. or going out on the weekends to this party or to that club. The or typical whatever. young person's the pointless life. It's story. just sort of a life of self indulgence. Whereas here, I feel like I'm part of something that's bigger than than any of us. So. so come on over to freestateproject.org, learn more about it, get on board, and come join the fun here in New Hampshire. All right, 800-259-9231. So, Sam, uh, you and Mark both have stories. You were inspired by our caller there uh, who was talking about the ghost shows on Real television. Real-life ghost stories. And I find it very silly. I think that the uh, the ghost the ghost shows on television, these ghost hunters, are ludicrous. Uh, there are people that want to find some sort of evidence to back up their uh, belief systems, and the so-called evidence they come up with is laughable at best and pathetic, typically. Um, it's not to say I don't believe... I, I, look, I don't claim to know what the truth about consciousness is or life or you know the ability to manipulate things beyond uh, the obvious uh, five senses and what we can control. I don't claim to know any of that. I just think a lot of that crap well, on to TV me, is nonsense. Ghost stories are, are clearly uh, fictional fabrications, and some of them are told very, very well. However, Bigfoot... That crap is real. <laughs> <laughs> so, Sam, what's your story? All right. So, well, I mean, I think that we are, um, like, I am not just this body. This is just a meat suit. I am the thing that's animating it and making the decisions and so forth. And when the body dies, I'm still around. I'm just in a pure energy form. And I don't know if ghosts are, you know, that pure energy form, if it's some kind of a repeat of uh, residual energy that's left over or what. No idea. But I, I think there's something there to it. So when I was a kid, uh, we were on a family vacation with my mom. We went and visited my aunt and uncle up in uh, Colorado. I think we were outside of Boulder in this old uh, Western hotel that had been around since the 1800s. They had uh, a jar in the uh, in the bar that was filled with lead bullets that when they had replaced the old 10 ceiling tiles were from the cowboys who would ride in through the saloon doors on their horses and shoot out the candelabras in the bar. 
And so, jeez, uh, what a terrible! You could hurt somebody. Yeah. Well, uh, fifty, I think fifty-two people had died in this hotel, huh. and they had built an extra. They, they had built an extra hotel onto it, but the and the people weren't staying in the original rooms, but the bar was still in the original building and so forth. And I can just see the skepticism on Ian's face. <laughs> uh, no, I was actually just thinking uh, that, uh, and we haven't had a single death since eighteen ninety-two. <laughs> So, you know, we, uh, my mom and I, growing up, we were always into this kind of energy and feeling stuff and, you know, just out checking out the world. And we walked into the lobby of this place and there's these two massive pictures that are like 10 by 20. One was, I don't remember what, the other one was a big matador looking guy. And I, it, I looked at it and I could just feel like, whoa, there's something weird there. And you sure, so, it wasn't the, uh, the the clerk behind the the picture, like with a kind of in the Scooby Doo, where they open up the eyes and they look through at you. No, no, wasn't it? it was it was way no. too big for that. And this was off okay. over sort of by the couches. So, I, my mom and I both noticed it, and I I don't remember which one of us made the comment, but eventually we're going around feeling furniture and <laughs> trying to see, you know, talking about what well, does this seem weird? Yeah. Anyway, well, mom talks to. The husband. It's a husband and wife team that run this place. She talks to the husband. He does not want to mention it at all, or I think it was the wife didn't want to mention it, one of them. And she gets a hold of the other one and then gets the more of the whole story. And apparently they had all kinds of ghosts in this place, and they had the uh, Indian guides come in and burn sweet grass in all the rooms to and tell the spirits to move on and so forth. And they had apparently some, it didn't work, huh? Well, they had some mischievous, like sweetgrass. They had some <laughs> mischievous. <laughs> Man, you guys, all right. There were some spirits there that would float books across the uh, the room, when, you know, behind you when you turn around, that sort of thing. The the water, according to the owners, according to the owners, the water in the shower would go ice cold all of a sudden and then back to hot. Oh, that's just the ghost. Don't you worry about it. We can't give you a refund. <laughs> no, no, this is in the old part of the hotel. The, uh-huh. the other, the new part was fine. It was fine. All right. And so uh, eventually mom talked to him and let him go up there and she walked through each of the rooms and uh, she... Wait, so the old part's closed off? Is the old saying? part was closed off. Yeah. So she went, went back to the owners after they let her up there to look around and she's like room seven, nine and 12. And they said, yeah, those are the ones that we still have problems with. Whatever happened in there, there's still something sticking around. So... That was pretty much it at the hotel, and then we were going. The guys were going off skiing. The girls were going off shopping. So we split up in cars. They took their car off, and we're kind of out in rural Colorado. And uh, the girl's car starts making noise all of a sudden, and then the car uh, eventually breaks down. Mm-hmm. They get towed to this garage in this nowhere town. The sheriff's a nice guy there. Nothing really going on. So he decides to take them to his friend's trailer where uh, uh, they can stay because it's going to take like a day or uh, several hours at least to get the car fixed. Well, the the trailer that he takes them to, the people had gone on vacation and left their dogs inside for a week. What a bad idea. Yeah. It didn't smell very nice, as you can imagine. And so, you know, all of these things, and I'm just touching the highlights here, but all of these things just sort of line up and are, are there's just one bad thing after another. And mom seemed to think that it was something uh, very... Uh, so wait, wait, wait. Like so let a, me see if I'm understanding. You're saying that you had bad things happen after your mom went up into the ghost rooms? Yes. So only you, you to my like, mom. 
that Only they to your mom. Attach, attached onto her. But the weirdest thing was... No, the, hold that thought. The weirdest thing. We'll come back to that. <sighs> In a moment, 800-259-9231. This is Coast to Coast. I'm sorry. I mean, it's uh, free talk. <laughs> line. our wild card line. <laughs> you can bring First up anything. 800-259-9231, even in these remaining moments, uh, which are coming up here in a bit. This is Free Talk Live to control of the airwaves. This program is brought to you by Freekeen.com. Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. Freekeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. Freekeen.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves in these remaining moments. There is enough time for your call at 1 800 259 9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line, 800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com and enjoy the features there free. If you want to help support the show, you can AMP. Become an amplifier at amp.freetalklive.com. It is a great way to help Free Talk Live get on more radio stations around the country, bring more internet listeners on board, and expose new people to the ideas of freedom. So go to amp.freetalklive.com, get signed up with any major credit card or PayPal or some other option for as little as three bucks a month. It's all we're asking for, the price of a cup of coffee, uh, and it makes a big difference for us because it really does allow us to, to do some significant outreach to the radio industry. Uh, coming up here in about a month, uh, about five weeks, we're going up to, we're going to L.A., to a radio talk radio convention. It's been a few years since we've been out to the West Coast, and it's it's time we are seen out there. It's important for us to go and do these things because being seen in the industry means that you're serious and you're a player, if you will. And you know, people we want to people we want people to think about Free Talk Live when they're thinking about making a change to their radio station. So want to be as uh, as front of mind as we possibly can. It's, it's listeners like you that help us do these things. So uh, and you get perks. You get access to the amp only call in lines, the amp only forum. Uh, as well as the AMP-only podcast and more. You can get the details and get signed up and the perks over at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. So, Sam, you're telling us uh, a ghost story, and uh, I obviously am a, I'm a little bit skeptical of, uh, of some of these things, but I think that people with personal experiences are much more credible than, than these ghost hunter guys. They're that, at least interesting. Oh, yeah. They're yeah. just looking for a TV sh- uh, show. They're looking for funding. They're looking to, you know, they're, they're, they are hobbyists who are looking I've, to fund I've their I've watched hobby. the TV show, and I think it's some of the most ridiculous stuff I've seen. Have you seen the Penn & Teller on the ghost hunters? No, I oh, haven't. Oh, it's hilarious. It's one of their funniest. Penn & Teller's BS. Uh, it's one of their funniest episodes. They just... They just ream these guys for a half an hour. <laughs> and I don't know if it's that same crew. It's just there's so plenty of these guys oh, out yeah, there, these yeah. uh, ghost hunter guys. So, But you're talking about an ex- Look, I, I could care less whether you can make a living uh, making uh, you know ghost story TV shows or reading palms or writing out people's uh, Zodiac things. Uh, you know, I think that people, to some extent, look at these, these things for fun. And for, for that purpose... I think it's fine. I think that there's clearly a point when you're taking uh, all this stuff too seriously. You know, at at that point, I think that person's mentally ill and would be taking something else too seriously. Well, you mentioned reading palms as though it's no big deal. I think it can be, especially if you've got a client that's taking it seriously. If it's just, aha, it's a big joke, then that's no big deal. But if you've got somebody coming in there believing that what this palm reader is telling them is going to be the absolute truth or or whatever, that, that and they make drastic life changes based on, uh, you know, what some, that person's gonna some be, huckster that, tells them. That person's going to get huckstered on, by though. somebody. 
Hold on. All right. Mom did palm reading, too. <laughs> and there's some science to it, okay? I mean, there is some science to it. It's not going to yeah, tell it's you, called oh, cold reading. two where... weeks you're going to get hit by... No, that's not in there. But there are some general guidelines, just like the uh, physiognomy book that talks about how facial features I think tell there are about probably your personality. People, I think there are probably people who uh, believe what they, what they do. And then there are also the scam artists. Yes. I'm not saying your mom was a scam artist. I don't know her, but... Uh, I'm saying it's been accurate for me. I also learned uh, handwriting analysis. We looked at, uh, uh, like, Jeffrey Dahmer's handwriting and, and analyzed that and compared it up. We also looked at uh, Clinton's but from his first uh, camp presidential campaign to his second. The first one showed drug abuse. Both of them showed signs that he was a pathological liar and thought that was pretty accurate. Um, you know, we did a lot of these things. So I think there is some science to them, and I think you're a little overly skeptical. There's also uh, something called cold reading, where essentially you're dealing with a scam artist who will uh, ask certain questions in order to, yep. to garner information, or in some cases literally uh, you know, pick the pocket of the, the person they're dealing with That's to, very true. Uh, very to gain true. information about them in order to perpetuate the scam. So let's go back to the story about the hotel. You've got a little ghost story you've been telling us. Your mom, this, uh, you know, kind of, uh, she's got, she's in touch with the spirit world. Yeah, she's gone she, into... She went uh, through the rooms. She uh, kind of... And she disturbed the spirits of this old shut-off, this this wing of the hotel that's been closed off. There's ghost stories that surround it. Then all of a sudden, uh, traumatic things start happening. The car breaks down. You didn't mention some of the other things that, uh, that went she's, wrong. She gets uh, dropped off at this trailer to wait while the mechanic repairs the car, and the people have just come back from vacation they had their dogs locked up in the trailer for over a week uh just using the bathroom on the floor uh she gets the baby and the baby uh while she's holding it for the brief period of time pees tell me the on head her. spins around please tell me the, no, head spins no, around. Just the, the baby pees on her <laughs> babies do that yeah, they do that yeah. but then you know then they eventually after all of this and cars go break to, down they do they do then they, you know, they get picked up by the sheriff again to go back into town, and they decide, well, let's her and her sister sit down to get a cup of coffee. Uh, she's drinking coffee out of a styrofoam cup, and the bottom falls out of it, and the coffee dumps in her lap. Oof. <laughs> How many times does that happen? Not too many. While you're holding a styrofoam cup. I suppose it could happen. It's pretty, it's pretty rare. So what so, happened to you, though? Nothing happened to nothing me. To now, okay. But, I mean, that's, you, that's he one He wasn't disturbing story. the ghosts, right. Ian. Right. Not, we don't, I don't know if we have time for the other one. Hold the thoughts. Okay. Uh, let's go to the phones and the fun. Talk to A-Man in Tennessee. A-Man, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello. How you gentlemen doing? Hey, what's on your mind? Hey, I got, uh, listen to that earlier call about religion and stuff. Uh, uh, Seneca wrote 2,000 years ago, religion is regarded by the common people as true, by the wise as false, and by the rulers as useful. Mm, yeah, that pretty much and, sums uh, it all up. It or, I would say organized religion. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> whatever. Uh, and well, an organized religion is interested in control, whereas uh, disorganized religion is just belief systems that are propagated by uh, by different people. I don't think they're as dangerous. Okay. Yeah, but but uh, here's a question I ran across to ask uh, uh, any Christian or any, I guess any religious guy also. What has God got against amputees? <laughs> Thanks for the call tonight, A-Man. Appreciate hearing from you. Let's talk to Claude in Florida. Claude, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian, Sam, and Mark. Yes, how you doing? Hey, Claude. What's on your mind? Yes. Um, well, I'm, I'm from Haiti, but I live in Miami now. Suck mm-hmm. The thing is, yes. Um, I don't know. That's, that's my way to Haiti, to my country. And I'm observing, like, the United, well, the so-called, so-called United Nations. They just, like, put you around, and... 
the people are still, you know, uh, suffering. They're still in the tent, in the hot sun. And After the earthquake. Nothing. Yes. Yeah. So they're not doing nothing. It's like, I don't know. And they're saying that there's a lot of money coming in. Like, I don't know what's going on. The only thing I see the guys do is just put you around, just yeah. go to the market, buy beers. So I'm like, what's going on? When I saw Clinton and uh, Bush get together on a uh, a campaign ad to raise money for uh, the Haiti Relief Fund or whatever, I'm yes. thinking this has just got to be one of the biggest scams. They're probably siphoning money into some kind of charity, giving yes. some kind of nominal relief aid down there, and then uh, to eating up a huge chunk of it in administrative yes. costs. And it, they, they don't help. They The government doesn't have the best interests of, of people at heart. It's private charities, people who care, people who are willing to donate their time, who are willing to be on the ground there and do things. And it's like government does everything they can to step in and put a stop to that because they're not official or whatever. Well, we've talked about uh, security theater before on this show. This is kind of like assistance theater, right? Maybe if we send these guys in a Jeep around here and there, mm-hmm. it'll people will think they're actually doing something. And what you're saying yeah. is they're not. They're not. It's like, I don't know, it's like... Uh... You see, um, even the government, well, well, the thing is, you know, the Haitian government, they, they, they was going to send, like, you know, charity food, like rice. Mm-hmm. Even him, he said that, oh, don't send no more because the rice that they have, uh, they need to sell it. I'm like, what the hell, what's going on? So he gotta sell, they got to sell the rice, so they, they tell the people to don't, you know, stop sending food, uh, rice. So I'm like, this is crazy because... It is crazy. Have there been any reports? Because a lot of the times these UN peacekeepers uh, will come into places and just start raping the local population, yeah, they do, yeah. getting away with it. Is that happening too? Have you heard yeah, about true. any of that? Yeah, true. Yeah, there's a, yeah. Well, there's a lot of local also in the tent. There's a lot of raping going on. So it's the same thing. I, I think uh, they have one. Of, I think uh, Cape Haitian is one of. Um, they find a sixteen-year uh, a year old boy. They, they find him like. Um, Hang. Oh, jeez. So, a 16-year-old boy, they found him ha- hang? Yes. Hung, rather? Yes, yes. Wow. So I'm like, what's going on here? Because, and it was in one of the uh, United Nations uh, headquarters. So it was I'm, in the, uh, the United Nations headquarters? Yes, one of them, yeah. In uh, Cape Haitian. So I'm like, wow. This is crazy. So I don't know what's going on. So now. people like, are still just displaced all over the place. Uh, the yes. UN troops just, you know, dicking around, buying beer, having a, yes. a grand old time, yes. and the it's the not, money is going somewhere, but it's not going to help these people. No, no, no. It's still, it's still, it's, uh, it's still in the in the tent in the sun. Uh, babies dying, um, mm. heat exhaustion. It's sad. In Indonesia, they used uh, the uh, tsunami to grab the two-mile strip of coastal line so that the government, the government? Could, could fund hotels to come in there and pay more taxes. Claude, thanks for the call. I'm sorry to hear that news. It's not surprising. Uh, what did you say to him, Mark? Sakpase. Sakpase means what's up. What's up in Haitian? Because <laughs> yeah. you've been there. All right, we'll uh, see you tomorrow night online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. The following edition of the Edgington Post interview series is brought to you by the Free Talk Live AMP program. Become a Free Talk Live amplifier today for as little as three bucks a month. Get perks and help us get on more radio stations and more internet connections at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. And here's Mark. All right. It's another edition of the Edgington Post. And today I have with me uh, Will Hopkins. Um, Will, are you there? 
Yep, I'm here. Okay. Will, uh, you were an infantry uh, veteran. You served uh, 11 months uh, tour in Iraq in 04 and 05. You're now the executive director of New Hampshire Peace Action and a member of Iraq Veterans Against the War and Veterans for Peace. That's correct. How did this uh, strange uh, turn of events happen? Well, um, I, uh, I, was, I was probably not, not okay with the Iraq War when I started. Um, I joined the National Guard pre-9-11, um, and uh, I joined uh, New Hampshire's Mountain Infantry Company because I heard that they uh, ice climbed and rock climbed and skied and snowshoed and got paid for it and got their school covered. Yeah, um, that sounds like fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it did. It did. So I, uh, I signed up. Um, that was pre-9-11, so the, the company had been in existence for 27 years, uh, had only been called in for ice storms and floods, um, which I thought was an okay thing to be doing, um, and uh, never really thought about the infantry part. Um, obviously, a few months after basic training, World Tra- Trade Towers fell, and uh, our world changed a little bit, and uh, I ended up in, in, in Iraq, um, which I, I didn't view as a legal war. Um, I certainly didn't view as a moral war. Um, and uh, ended up doing things that uh, that I probably won't ever forgive myself for. Um, and uh, so when I when I got home and got out of the military, um, pretty much felt driven to uh, to try to work to make a difference and, and turn around our foreign policy. So um, it, as far as Iraq goes, I, I, I know that there's just been uh, some uh, violence there where U.S. troops have been involved in uh, today or yesterday, d- depending on where the time zone is is uh, slipping by. But what do you think about the uh, the withdrawal or whatever it is that they're claiming, the uh, the withdrawal of combat troops from Iraq and I guess the renaming of uh, of uh, peacekeeping or whatever troops? What, what, how does how does that strike you? Well, I mean, I'm, I'm hopeful. Um, Raya Jarar, who is an, an Iraqi uh, peace activist, uh, thinks that things are going reasonably well. Um, we're following the schedule and, and the, the current status of forces agreement. Um, I, I think it should have been a little bit quicker. Uh, the recent violence, I'm, I'm guessing, and I haven't read a lot about it today or yesterday, um, but I'm guessing has something to, to do with, uh, with Ramadan. Um, I know that, that fall was a particularly rough time uh, while I was there. Um, as far as the the reclassification, it's it's uh, it's just that. I mean, you're not you're not actually changing the job that people are doing. You're just calling them something different. Um, I'll never forget when I was uh, during the the first Fallujah offensive. I was on the cordon, um, which means that I was I was blocking the roads around the city and making sure people couldn't go across. Um, and at one point, I saw a woman in a Humvee turret doing the exact same job that I was doing as a combat infantryman. Um, Manning a 50 cal in a, in a Humvee turret. The only difference was she was security and I was infantry. Um, so the the uh, you know you can't have women in combat jobs, um, but they they were very much in combat when I was there and doing the same things that combat soldiers were. Wow. Um, so I, I don't don't think that there's any validity to to reclassifying. Um, we're just at a 50,000 troop level, which is about a quarter of what it was while I was there. Um, so I, I think that that's a positive step. Um, it's not all the way, and I, uh, I, I think with good reason. I think a lot of a lot of folks have limited faith that the U.S. is going to be good to its word and, and pull all of its troops out. Well, I think they probably have a lot of evidence. Uh, the the Okinawans are just about sick of it after seventy years now, and about ready to hang any uh, servicemen that uh, you know goes and ventures into town and looks askance at one of their gals or or uh, you know cusses too loud. Um, 
and you know it, it does it's pretty hard to get the uh, the japanese all all whipped up about something and and they're pretty mad so yeah. uh you know they americans have very good reason looking at korea and and japan and and germany to 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 realize that <laughs> it's not yeah. going to be anytime soon that american troops are going to be out of iraq right the status of forces agreement says that we have to pull them all out in in, in another year or so um, but that I, I somehow see our government finding a way around that. You know, uh, where, they've pretty much stuck to the timeline that George Bush set up with the UN. It's the status of forces, right? That's the yep. that's the agreement with the UN. So this really right. has nothing to do with Obama and any stance that he's taken, other than agreeing to the agreement that George Bush made with the UN. Once George Bush realized, holy crap, there aren't any weapons of mass destruction here. Yeah, yeah no, they. Um, it's safe to say that that Barack Obama has uh, continued George Bush's foreign policy uh, vis-a-vis Iraq to a T. Um, and in addition, uh, George Bush was also calling for an increase in our troop presence in Afghanistan as he was leaving office. Um, he's kept the same Secretary of Defense. He's kept a lot of the same advisors um, and, and seems to be pursuing uh, a very similar course to the one that, that George Bush pursued. You know, this is a, this is a very tough scenario, and I was just watching a uh, war documentary uh, last night uh, about the Vietnam War, and you can imagine how difficult it was for the protesters, both inside and outside the military, and there were a lot of uh, anti-war uh, veterans groups that were, uh, and not just veterans, but, you know, current soldiers, groups that were out there, uh, soldiers unions and that kind of thing, and, you, you know, they, they had the, their choice between Johnson and Nixon, Good Lord, what a what a choice between crap sandwiches. Yeah, um, I, I think that, that uh, a lot of members of Iraq Vets Against the War felt very much the same way this time around. Um, there were uh, there were there were protests staged at both the RNC and the DNC, um, and uh, neither candidate would speak to members of Iraq Veterans Against the War. Um, and uh, again, there there really uh, there hasn't been any any major change in in the policies. Um, I think. Uh, Iraq Veterans Against the War is, is an organization that is, is currently kind of trying to find its niche and trying to figure out what it's what it is. Um, they recently launched a campaign to keep uh, soldiers who have been affected by traumatic brain injuries uh, and post-traumatic stress disorder from being redeployed, um, which I think is a, a, a great uh, a, a great program to be working on. Yeah, I, um, I, I heard that actually on NPR. That's getting some traction right now. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it certainly makes a lot of sense, and I think it resonates with a very broad audience. Um, I think that when you when you think of what what our our troops have 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 been involved with, um, you, know, you have a lot of uh, a lot of folks with with military sexual trauma. Um, you've got a lot of folks going being shipped over on psychotropic medications because they're uh, they've been they've been uh, traumatized by multiple tours of duty. Um, Afghanistan is the longest war that uh, we've ever been engaged in, depending on, on what you call war. Uh, you could also, if you considered, uh, at, for instance, Iraqis believe that the war, the war with the U.S. started when, when uh, George H.W. Bush started bombing uh, Iraq, um, and that the sanctions were an act of war, that the continued bombing under Clinton was an act of war, and that the, uh, the mark of, a, of us invading was just a different phase of the war. Hmm. Um, as far as Iraqis are concerned, we were uh, we were at war with them for almost two decades. Um, 
So that's uh, it, it depends on what you call war, but arguably the Afghanistan war is the longest war we've ever fought in. So um, um, they've got a new plan for the Afghan war. I mean, there weren't that many troops over there. My friend was uh, a friend of mine was over there. He's an Iraq veteran and Iraq and Afghanistan veteran against uh, against the war, and he was over in Afghanistan for. Uh, se- several months, um, probably more than a year, and there weren't that many troops on the ground at that time. But uh, hostilities have increased dramatically, and they've got all these outward bases now—not bases; they're calling them something else. But um, you know, they've got these outward outposts, and they're trying to put a whole bi- whole bunch more boots on the ground. Yeah, um, the the uh, at this point. Um the number of troops has more than doubled, doubled, doubled under, under Barack Obama in Afghanistan. Uh, the casualty rate has skyrocketed. There have been more troop deaths under Barack Obama than there were in the entire time under George Bush. Um, so we've got a uh, we've got a, a very uh, a very clear escalation there, and, it, and it's making matters worse. When you read uh, counterinsurgency strategy, which I have. Um, it says that that you reach a turning point when you're when you're setting up this kind of a police state um, at about uh, one soldier for every forty uh, civilians um, in Afghanistan. That's over a quarter million. That would be over a quarter million troops. Um, we have escalated from about uh, thirty-four thousand at the end of uh, George W. Bush's uh, term of term as president to um, we're a little under 100,000 right now, but, but should be at about 102 by the time we're finished with this surge, um, which is uh, less than, you know, it's about, it's a little less than half of what, uh, what, what coin strategy says you would need to, to control um, that countryside. Um, in addition, coin strategy calls for a period of 12 to 14 years. Um, and this is, these Good are the Lord. kinds of numbers that our generals were talking about when they were saying, let's surge, let's build up in Afghanistan. They were talking much larger numbers than what has, what has been sent. Right. So this, um, is a, this is a half surge, which is, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> basically half assed. And, yeah. uh, you know, the, it's interesting. Uh, I, I read at antiwar.com, um, I'm sure you've heard of the website. Sure. They, uh, shoot, I, I'm, the, the guy's name is, uh, is, is escaping me. Uh, Romando, uh, Justin Romando or something like that. He, um, you know, had quoted, I, I guess, one of the undersecretaries of state or something had gone over there and, and done an assessment of the situation. And essentially, the the assessment came back that, you know, there's only 500 to 1500 Taliban in the country. There are only a few dozen uh, Al Qaeda. And by Al Qaeda, they just mean anybody they can classify Al Qaeda. That's a CIA term, not a not right. not a term that they actually use themselves. Nobody says, "I'm I am from Al Qaeda. I'm here to kill you." They don't right. say that. Um so, you know, the, this is their assessment. And basically what his assessment was is that this is a political war that needs to be won because of Barack Obama has hung his uh, nameplate on it. He said that this is a good war and we need to win because Barack Obama has said this is a good war. Not because there's anything achievable or anything worth achieving. Like there's nothing that is achievable and nothing that would be even worth achieving there. I mean, as you try to kill off these let's call them 50 let's go crazy and call it 2,000 bad guys in a country of I mean, how many are you talking about? Millions and millions of people. Right. And, uh, you know, once you, you find these 2,000 bad guys, by the way, they can't find 2,000 bad guys in the United States. Um, you know, once you do this, what have you achieved but created another 8,000 bad guys? Right, exactly. Um, and, and that's, 
that's consistent with what counterinsurgency strategy even even says that it, you know that until you reach that 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 level, the more troops you throw at a problem, the worse the situation is going to get because your collateral damage is going to go up. Um, you're going to be killing more civilians. You're going to be disrupting more daily life. And they're doing um, that a lot of that's that. Ex- <laughs> that's exactly what they're doing. Um, actually, c- civilian casualties have also more than doubled oh, yes. Barack Obama. Um, which is largely because of an increased dependence on drone bombings, um, which uh, the pa- uh, Pakistani government is saying are, are killing about 97% civilians. Yeah. 90, 97 civilians for every three, uh, quote, bad guys. And uh, you know, even, e- even that's a term that I'm, that I'm uncomfortable with. Sure. We, have, uh, we have Taliban who are domestically motivated and want to want to, you know, envision a different uh, Afghanistan. And I certainly don't... don't uh, don't like the idea of women having to wear burqas. I don't like uh, right. that kind of repressive state. There are a lot of crappy countries out there. There are a lot of crappy countries Absolutely. out there, and we're not invading them. So no. the idea that you're invading because somebody <laughs> might get their nose cut off or have to wear, wear a sheet over their head is is nuts. I mean, I think that there's right. something far more beneficial that we can do here in the homeland, which is you know open up the gates and say, hey, if you want to work hard and and live the American dream, is all you got to do is push, pull, or drag, whatever you've got over here, once you get inside the borders of America, you are free to work as hard as you want to work in order for a, to get a better life. I think we can do far more for the, uh, you know, the disfigured women of Afghanistan by allowing them to immigrate here if that's what they wish to do. I, I, that's a beautiful statement. Um, I, I think that's, uh, that you, you've captured a lot of what I, I believe it is to be American. Um, Frequently accused of being a little anti-American for my work, and I, uh, I see these wars as as destroying our economy, um, as hurting the troops. Who uh, I mean, I love my company is in is in Afghanistan right now, and those are men who I served with who would have taken a bullet for me. Um, I love every one of them, and it drives me absolutely batty that they're engaging in a war that makes no sense, um, and and fighting it in a way that makes no sense. Um, they're, they're in Afghanistan, and it's counterproductive. It's, it's making more problems for our country. You know, um, if you look at uh, uh, 2008 during the Ron Paul campaign, the, he got more contributions than any other candidate. And he was the most stated anti-war candidate. I suppose you could put Dennis Kucinich up there um, with him. But those two, between those two guys, if you took their, uh, their numbers, they got more than anybody else as far as uh, troops uh, donations to campaigns. And the, you know... <laughs> It, it just goes to show these these troops are not that interested in the war they have to fight. And, you know, it, this is it's not terribly uncommon in the, uh, the the history of wars in America for soldiers to be the ones who want the peace the most. And of course, yeah. they're, 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 you know, once you get home and you're no longer have an M16 slung uh, slung over your shoulder and you're talking out again, it's then you're anti-American. You know, <laughs> the, the Republicans could, uh, and you know, I, I'm generalizing here, right? They could wave sure. the flag behind you and say, "You're sacrificing for America. God bless you. Thank you for your service. As long as you're out there catching hard bullets with your soft, soft body." Um, you know, the, the these, uh, you know, the dullards uh, that <laughs> that uh, you know chant. Things Things like this, I, you know, I, I don't know. I, I get so frustrated. Yeah. Well, and I think it's it, it's unfair to to even just just limit it to Republicans. I think it's fair to say that both lobes of the corporate party are uh, are pretty much much uh, 
you know, so, uh, supporting, especially in Afghanistan right now. Yeah, uh, I'm probably got- somewhat myopic. I, I do, you know, when we do the national, uh, the big show on Saturday night when we're on 82 radio stations, and we end up largely on stations where, you know, Rush Limbaugh is their headliner and Sean Hannity follows him up and, you know, that kind of radio station. As you can imagine, we get a large majority of our callers are that kind of, of person. So I tend to, you know, get myopic on that. Yeah. Um, but I, 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 yeah, I think it's, I mean, it, the, 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 the problem isn't one party or the other. It's, uh, it's both party and the, and the people who fund them and the, uh, and the way that they're, that they're operating uh, in their own interest rather than in our interest. So, um, with, with the, what with the Afghanistan surge? Um, do you have any predictions on how things are going to go? I mean, it's. I think that. Uh, I mean, I. I think at this point, the uh, the Iraq surge is going the. Uh, you know, the Iraq war is going the way that uh, that people pretty much predicted. Now that the U.S. Uh, troop is, U.S. troops have been drawn down there, the the violence is going to escalate a, a bit. Yeah. At least that's what we're seeing. And, yeah. Uh, I- and I think in, in Iraq we also have Iran to worry about, um, and I, I think I think you, that we won't see a U.S. full withdrawal from Iraq while we're still uh, while we still have groups like AIPAC uh, that are saying that we should be engaging in, in war with Iran. Yeah. Um, I think that and and it's what it's is all AIPAC? The same. That's uh, that is the uh, let's see uh, American Israeli and it's not Political Action Committee, um, but it is it's it's uh, it's the Israel lobby. Yeah, that's what I, I I thought that's what it was coming up, but I couldn't come up with the, what the acronym yeah. stood for. And it's it's not political action committee, and I don't recall exactly what it is. Um, but uh, essentially, the the uh, you know we're hearing the same line that we heard with with, with Iraq um, that that they're developing a weapons of mass destruction program, and again, you know, just like with Iraq, it's completely unfounded. Um, you know, the, there there is uh, a legal pursuit of of uh, nuclear energy in Iran. Um, and that has been fully inspected by the United Nations. Um, it's suspicious. I mean, I've, I'll admit, sure. I don't trust those guys with, uh, you know, with what they're doing. But, right. you know, I, 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 don't, I don't know what it's worth to try to stop them. Um, I don't know if it's possible to stop them and without, you know, some kind of full-scale uh, you know, war over there. And, I, you know, i got to ask, where's our justification, really? Where is the United States' justification for getting all huffy and puffy about uh, right. uh, Iran developing nu- nuclear weapons? Do I trust those guys with nuclear weapons? No. But I have more evidence that the United States government is more dangerous than nuclear weapon- with nuclear weapons than the Iranian government is. I would agree with that. <laughs> That was that was where I was going to go. That, you know that I that I that no, I don't trust I don't trust Mahmoud Ahmadinejad with a with a nuclear weapon. Um, but I also very much don't trust uh, Barack Obama or George W. Bush with a nuclear weapon. Um, I uh, I think that, that that's a uh, you know, that that's completely fair. Um, in in addition, you've got uh, you, you you do have the 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 governing council, which is a is a religious uh, group. In Iran, um, and they are ardent nuclear abolitionists. They believe that nuclear weapons are a, um, a scourge against humanity and, and an insult to God. I'd, um, I'd agree. <laughs> you know, they, they, and, and they're the ones who they, they have the right to fire, fire Mahmoud Ahmadinejad in, in an instant if they want to. Um, so they, they, this is a group that uh, that does not believe in nuclear weapons, and you, you can't have. Uh, I, I don't. I don't. I, I don't believe that there's a nuclear weapons program in Iran. Um, and I and I certainly don't believe that it's our place to go in and find out uh, using military force. Yeah. Um, we don't have any 
any verifiable intelligence to the contrary. Uh, the UN weapons inspectors have been allowed to inspect and have not found anything fishy going on. Um, at this point, uh, the the warmongering that is coming from both parties uh, against Iran is yeah, oh, absolutely <laughs> unfounded. Yep. So, so um, we're going to have to to wrap it up here. But um, t- tell tell me the people that you're try you'd like to, to to talk to. Will who who would you like to get into contact with you? Well, the, there are uh, there are a lot of people in the, in the state of New Hampshire who are pro peace and and aren't tied in. Um, and specifically, I, I was hoping by coming on your show, I might be able to uh, to speak to some folks with the with the free state movement. Um, you know, I, I think that we are in a position where we, we need to be working together. Um, you know, folks who are who are seeing what's going on in the world and want to want to do what's what's best for the the, the people of this country. Um, I think that we that we are. Uh, we're fighting over which side of the bread to to, uh, to butter, and uh, not really paying attention to who controls the bread and the butter. Mm. Um, and and uh, and and I think that's the problem, not not uh, not the other stuff. Of um, all the groups that, um, if if I'm if I can make a generalization, since I moved to New Hampshire four years ago, of all the groups out there that has been most welcoming, it's always been the peace advocacy groups. Um, they. <laughs> They are the ones that are interested in talking to you no matter where you come from as long as you're ready to talk about peace. They yeah. don't care whether you you know which side of the aisle or what what you know uh, what nameplates you you care to uh, to hang around your neck. It's all about peace for them. Right. Um, and and uh, in particular, there are a lot of free staters in, in Keene. If they want to come come talk to me or, or, or work with New Hampshire Peace Action um, at eleven o'clock at Town Commons in Keene. Um, on Saturday, September 18th, we'll be having a, a, a vigil um, to support uh, Bradley Manning, who's the accused WikiLeaks whistleblower. Um, and our speaker will be a member of the Free State Project uh, and, and Iraq Veterans Against the War and Veterans for Peace. Who's that? Jim Chapelo. Okay. Um, he's, a, he's a fantastic guy. Um, and he, he uh, did a, did a, had a very long tour in, in Iraq um, and is a very moving speaker. So I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing him again. I'm just uh, setting this down in my book. Terribly sorry. And who else would you would you uh, like to uh, you know talk to, Will? Um, or does that about sum up who you're, you're looking for? Well, I mean, there are, there are a lot of people, um, especially since you're down in the Keene area. Um, in the Keene area, there's a there's a very vibrant uh, peace movement that I um, that I've felt pretty disconnected from, and I'd love to to hook back in with some of those folks and and start working with them again. Um, and uh, the, I mean, all over the state, there are people who believe in peace who uh, have have uh, have not uh, have not made contact with 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 the peace movement and and started working together and I think uh, particularly given our status as the first in the nation primary state um, we have a real opportunity here to to make some some change. Mm. So, I'd um, I'd have to agree. Well, you know, I think that organizing's the organizing's the thing that's worked in the past as far as peace movements go, and I think that that's what uh, we, what we need to look at here. And um, I have uh, set it in my calendar. I intend to be there. Well, cool. Looking forward to meeting you in person. Mark. Very good. Now let's give the uh, let's give the you know the numbers again for people that uh, may not have been uh, paying as close attention. That's uh, Saturday the eighteenth at yep. eleven a.m. in Central Square. Uh, for the the peace vigil that's normally going on there, you're just making it bigger and better. Right, we're we're bringing in bringing in statewide, having a speaker, um, and and we're going to talk a little bit about what's going on with Bradley Manning. He's currently held in Quantico, yeah, um, and is is looking at as much as 50 years in prison for exposing U.S. war crimes. You know, that's some that, that's it's so shockingly uh, upsetting and. 
I, you know, I mean, people are, are rallying against, uh, you know, rallying for him. And, you know, when I'm, I was looking at, shoot, I, I can't remember any of these, uh, the names of these guys, but there were so many guys thrown in jail for a f- couple few years during the, uh, the peace movements, whether they were veterans or not, uh, during the Vietnam War movement. And they got, you know, some of them 15 years, 25 year sentences, and they did two or three because the, the government just va- finally vacated what, what it was that they were after them on. So, um, it was a situation where it's darkest before the dawn for these guys. And I, th- I hope that that's what could happen with Bradley Manning, too. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're hoping to get him out. He's got a good lawyer. Um, not that that's everything. Um, I know that, uh, that, uh, that, it's, that it's our place as a, as a peace movement and as a, as a people who, who are, are moral uh, to stand up and, and keep this from happening. Um, I, I don't believe we would have done it under, under George W. Bush. I think that, that, that folks would have, would have risen up, um, and, and that's evidenced by, by the existence of people like Adrian Kinney, who blew the, blew the whistle on the NSA for domestic wiretapping before uh, passage of the Patriot Act and FISA. Um, and she, she blew the whistle and went on national news agencies to talk about domestic wiretapping without a warrant um, and, was, and is, is still free today. Um, I hope I didn't just send Adrienne to prison because she's a wonderful woman. Um, <laughs> but, but, uh, but, but uh, you know, I, I think that we, that we need to, to stand up and say, time out. This is, you know, we, we need to protect whistleblowers. If, if, if there are crimes going on, then, then uh, the, the people who say that they're going on need to be protected. Indeed. Uh, you know, Will, th- thanks very much for being on, and uh, I hope to talk to you soon. Yeah, thanks for having me on. That's Will Hopkins uh, from New Hampshire's uh, veteran, Iraq Veterans Against the War, right? Yep, and New Hampshire Peace Action is, is, is probably an important group to mention, too, that I'm a part of. Indeed. Thank you, sir. How long can you hold your breath? Not long. After air, water is the most critical factor for life. There are dozens of toxic substances in tap water, even pharmaceutical drugs that city processing can't remove. Sadly, most bottled water isn't much better. The chemicals in the bottles themselves are a serious health concern and a huge environmental problem. Filtering your own drinking water is the logical answer. You'll have a much better quality of water and save a bunch of money, too. Aquasana filters are thorough and more affordable per gallon than even pitcher-type filters. Aquasana is consistently voted the best choice by Consumers Digest. The filters are easy to use and install. Call 866-NO-BOTTLE to order or link online through freetalklive.com. If you'd like a 20% discount, and who wouldn't, when ordering online, use the discount code FTL. Again, that's FTL. Or call toll-free 866-NO-BOTTLE and tell them we sent you to get a great discount on all Aquasana products. Drink smart, 1-866-NO-BOTTLE. 